Happy Thursday, everyone, and welcome back to the Surprise Jab Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Ruger, surprising you with new topics every single week and jabbing you with your daily dose of UFC. That is right, the week is just about over. It's almost Friday. Um, It's my last week at college. I actually go home this weekend or maybe next Monday, and then I get the whole month of December off and uh, got to be productive. I always always think about um, just being lazy sometimes. That's just not what I like doing, and I've just... Just after completing all my assignments, which I absolutely nailed, I did great on all my classes, I've just felt so bored and I haven't known what to do with myself. But day's just about over. You know, you go to the gym, you talk to your friends, you read a little, you shower, you eat, it all adds up. But we'll see. We'll see what adventures hold me the next uh, three days down here in Mankato. But yeah, we got a fun one coming at you today. Of course, we'll be predicting UFC Vegas 83, headlined by Song Dong versus Chris Gutierrez. This fight night was supposed to go down in Shanghai, China, but they sadly moved it to the apex in Las Vegas. But um, nonetheless, I'll still ride with it. We're going to drop all our predictions. Look at all the fights that's going to be lots of fun also going to be dropping my week 14 predictions for the nfl vikings are finally back this weekend we i really hope we beat the raiders we should we should i'm gonna be talking about some new ufc news um stuff with ufc 5 checking in with the leagues a little bit about gta 6 and our suppressed topic for the episode is i'm going to be ranking every college class i've taken so far so i just finished my fall semester of my junior year so that's gosh I think I have 23 classes that I ranked um oh my gosh only three more semesters left at college only one more for my junior year it's pretty crazy how fast everything goes by I honestly think this went by faster than high school like honestly high school felt like it took a while I'm 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 halfway over halfway done through college what am I at like 60% I think I'm like 60% of the way through college absolutely crazy but I've just been so blessed it's been an amazing semester and that's kind of why I decided to rank all my classes, because a lot of my top ones are from this semester. But we'll be getting to that later on in the episode. But let's kick things off with how we kick every single episode off, just about every. Sometimes if we have a special guest, we don't talk about anything. But um, we got a lot of UFC news dropping since we last chatted. I record usually on Mondays and Thursdays, and between Wednesday, um, Tuesday, and even today, Thursday, before I'm recording this, uh, there have been a lot of UFC fights being dropped and news and such, so we're going to be talking about every single one of those. So kicking off a sad one. You know, we got to start with the sad. Um, Alexander Rakic versus Jan Blahovic was going to be a top five light heavyweight matchup at UFC 297 in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, January 20th. Um, what was it? What was he ranked? Jan was ranked four. Rakic was ranked five. Jan Blahovic is sadly out of that fight due to an injury. He was absolutely devastated. He actually posted something on Instagram, a lengthy, a lengthy caption about being sad that he couldn't um, fight. And it just, it really sucks. It really sucks. And I feel bad because Rockets has been waiting to get back in the octagon since 2021, I believe. Or actually 2022. I think it was 2022 that he got injured. And it's just... It's terrible. I feel bad for him. But um, I racket just saying, hey, someone step in. He was calling for Jury Prochaska to step in. I mean, looking at who's still available, I mean, Nikita Kreloff at number six will still be around. Um, if Khalil Roundtree Jr. beats Anthony Smith this weekend, I think that is a fight you could do. You could see if Azamat Mirzakhanov could potentially fight. I mean, you even have Alonzo Menfield down there. I just I just really want Rockets to get a fight, and I hope he takes a short-notice fight. But as for Khan, I wish him a speedy recovery because he's one of the good ones. He's a good human being, Tom Blahovich. We love him. 
top uh, top 15, or actually, I believe it's a top 10 flyweight match between number nine ranked, was he, like 22 years old, Muhammad Mokayev? Let me let me double check this because I know Muhammad Mokayev is a young gun. Um, Muhammad Mokayev recently just beat Tim Elliott to jump into the top 10 at uh, men's flyweight. Yeah, he was born July 30th, 2000. So yeah, he's 23 years old, undefeated, perfect 11-0, just been an outstanding, outstanding talent in the UFC. He'll be taking on number five ranked, or no, what is he ranked now? Number seven ranked Alex Perez, March 2nd at UFC Saudi Arabia. Going to be a massive card on March 2nd. The Saudis, they like to ball out. They're all oil tycoons. But I'm very glad Muhammad Mokayev is getting to fight up out Perez, I legit kid you, has not fought since, oh my gosh, I think 2021. I'm pretty sure Alex Perez has not fought since 2021. I just kind of want to, I just kind of want to double check that because it's, it's just been a long time. He's had so many fight cancellations, so many fight cancellations. It's actually, it's painful. It's painful how many fight cancellations he's had. That's right. He last fought, actually fought in 2022. So he last fought in July of 2022. He lost to current champion Alexander Pantoja in a minute and a half. And before that, he had been submitted by uh, Devison Figueredo in a minute and 57. So we'll see if Alex Perez can bounce back. But, you know, I'll be rooting. I'll be personally rooting for Mohamed Mokayev. I mean, I can't speak of... Um, who everyone else will be rooting for, but Muhammad Mokayev. I just like these. I like these young guns who just are on the come up. And I mean, Muhammad Mokayev has already had five fights in the UFC, four finishes, all submissions. Just been absolutely outstanding. I've loved every second of him. Happy to be seeing him fight. Uh, speaking actually of Saudi Arabia, there are rumors circulating that uh, since it's in Saudi Arabia, and since apparently that. The Saudi Arabians paid, this is a fight night, by the way, not a pay-per-view. They paid $250,000 worth of, or 250000 pay-per-view buys. So I think it's like $25 million. They paid like $25 million to have this event hosted. So Dana has made a bag just to go there. And it's been rumored that Islam Makachev will be headlining to defend his lightweight championship, potentially against Charles Oliveira, which is the most likely scenario. But Armin Tazukrian throwing his name in the mix with a big uh, win this past weekend, of course. It'll be interesting to see what happens. But hey, Charles and Islam main eventing in Saudi Arabia, I'm all here for it. Only other people I could see fighting in Saudi Arabia are people from that region. You have number two, Bilal Muhammad. He could fight someone like, uh, gosh, I don't even know who. Bilal could fight, depending on the outcome of, in two weeks, UFC 296 between Leon Edwards and Colby Covington, he could fight for the belts. He could even fight Shafkat Rachmanov or something in the main event. I don't really know. Other than that, not too many um, other fighters I see it's just anywhere up and down the rankings who could potentially headline. So I think the Islam Makhachev headline is the most likely scenario, but at the same time, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll see what the UFC ends up doing because the UFC always cooks up something good. They're always aiming to bring us the best fight. Um, but yeah, that should be a good one. Uh, Caitlin Chukagian versus Macy Barber will be going down at UFC 299 on March 9th. Both of these women are in the top 15 at women's flyweight. Caitlin's ranked number four. Macy Barber ranked number seven. Happy to see these two ladies getting back at, getting after it, getting back at it. Yeah, getting back at it. However you want to, however you want to phrase that. Macy Barber, I know is, um, she's on a little win streak, isn't she? She's coming off a big win over, um, 
Oh my goodness, what is her name? I cannot remember. Viviana Rujo, is it? She just absolutely destroyed someone recently. Amanda Hebus, it was. Yes, she uh, beat her in June of this year with a vicious performance of the night, round two TKO, currently on a five-fight win streak. She is oh so deserving of this opportunity. I, I sincerely mean that of all, of all the people that um, deserve this, she definitely does. As for Kaylin Chukagian, she's coming off a loss to Manifiora back in 2022. So didn't even get a fight in in 2023. That'll be going down at UFC 299, headlined by Sean O'Malley and Marlon Vera. That's going to be an absolute banger of a fight. Speaking of pay-per-views, UFC 296 took a hit but kind of recovered as Josh Emmett was supposed to take on Giga Chikadze. Giga ranked number 8 at featherweight. Josh ranked number 6. Giga tears his groin in sparring. I saw the video of it. He goes down in pain. Uh, just looks like he extended the tendon or something. Very sad to see. Yeah, it actually is painful to see. I hate seeing uh, fighters get injured, but luckily, stepping on short notice is number 10 ranked Bryce Mitchell. Bryce Mitchell stepping in to save the day. I, I just can't believe it. I can't believe it. Bryce Mitchell finally getting a big shot here. I mean, who did he just beat? Didn't he beat Dan Ige? Not too um, earlier this year or something. Uh, yes, it was Dan Ige. And see, but Bryce Mitchell, I mean, he just is a publicity. He he attracts publicity. We'll say that. Um, his only loss in the UFC and unofficially in his career is to Ia Topiro, who's fighting for the belt in January. So Bryce is very good, excellent grappler. And I'm happy to see Josh Emmett finally getting a uh, getting an opponent in. Josh is on a two-fight losing streak. Both losses have been bad. But he showed his dog. In both of those fights, um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that the, you know that Bryce gets it done. But if Emmett wins, you know, good for him. Speaking of Dan Ige, who both um, Josh Emmett and Bryce Mitchell have beat, Dan Ige will be um, returning on Super Bowl weekend, February 10th. There's going to be a UFC fight night, and he'll be taking on undefeated British fighter Lee Roan Murphy. Uh, Dan Ige, for example, uh, coming off that loss to Bryce Mitchell, but before that, big wins over Nate Landwehr and Damon Jackson. As for Lee Roan Murphy, trying to find his record here, because Lee Roan Murphy has been slowly climbing the ranks of the featherweight division, finally getting ranked, I believe. Yes, he's ranked number 14. Dan Ige is ranked number 13. It's about time. It's about time Leron jumped into the rankings. But, I mean, he's he's kind of one of those fighters where you're kind of questioning how good they are. You know, sometimes they have bad fights. Sometimes they have good fights. He's currently on a five-fight win. Actually, no, never mind. In the UFC, he's 5-0. Five and, five and oh. He has one draw. But other than that, he's had round one knockouts of Ricardo Ramos, round two knockouts of Mako Americani, absolute dogfights against Gabriel Santos, destroyed Josh Culiabo earlier this year. So at 2-0, um, 2-0 2023, leaves Leroy Murphy shooting up the rankings. And it's good to hear that uh, on Super Bowl weekend, we'll be getting a title, uh, not a title, just a UFC event the night before, which I love. I love hearing that. What do I, I got, uh, oh, I got two more, two more fights to talk about. So Molly McCann, Molly McCann, of course, uh, always, always in the freaking news. She is one of the female fighters uh, that are just always in the news. She's boys with, uh, what's his name, Patty Pimblett. She'll be, uh, she'll be taking on Deanna Belbita in a rematch uh, at UFC Vegas 85, February 3rd. Both women are coming off of losses. I actually think Molly's on like a two-fight losing streak. And these two actually fought in 2019. But uh, the UFC, they just keep trying to give Molly McCann opportunities, and she just keeps failing at them. But you know what? Hopefully she can get it back. 
and uh, get back on a card with Patty Pimblett. I'm also excited to see Patty Pimblett fight Tony Ferguson in a couple weeks. I cannot wait to talk about UFC 296. And the last fight to talk about is a rumored matchup that's trying. The UFC's trying to get it made between Gilbert Burns and Jack Della Maddalena for UFC 299. Gilbert Burns ranked number four at welterweight. Jack Della Maddalena ranked number 11. Gilbert Burns coming off an unfortunate loss to Bilal Muhammad where he got injured and still fought through the fight. One of the worst fights you'll ever watch. As for Jack Della Maddalena, his win streak continues in the UFC, but after his last showing against Kevin Holland, people are a bit skeptical. Kind of seems like they're feeding him to the dogs here against a guy like Gilbert Burns. But hey, I'm all here for it. UFC 299 is shaping up to be pretty freaking good. I'm all here for it. I'm all here for it. Rankings-wise, the rankings do update on Tuesdays, and we have not looked at any of the recent changes that have been made since last weekend's UFC Austin, the best fight night of the year, the best card of, uh, not the best card of the year, but the best fight night, without a doubt. Looking at the flyweight rankings, with Davis and Figueredo winning at bantamweight, he leaves, moving Amir Albazi and Brandon Rival tied at the number two spot. Everyone else kind of getting some bumps. Manel Cape moves up two spots to number six. Steve Ersing moves up two spots to be tied with Suma Darji for 11th. And actually, Suma Darji takes on Tim Elliott. We'll be talking about that later. And entering the rankings is Cody Durden. He's on like a four or five fight win streak, not even fighting upwards in the rankings. Give Cody Durden his shot. At Bantamweight, Devis and Figueredo debuts at 8. At Rob Font drops down to number 9. Everyone else dropping down a couple spots. Ricky Simone, though, stays at 12. Now tied with Jonathan Martinez. Uh, who got bumped from the ranking? Saeed Nurmagomedov. But, um, hey, number 15, Chris Gutierrez. Huge shot against Song Dong this weekend. We'll be talking about that later on. At Lightweight, Armin Tsukrian moves four spots up to number 4. At Lightweight, Matus Gamrat now tied at 5 with Michael Chandler. Benil Dariush falling down to number 7. Jalen Turner moves up to 10 with his win, and Bobby Green drops down to 14. Nana Moicano jumping up to 13. Everyone else kind of going up and down. With Sean Brady's big win over Calvin Gaslam, he moves up two spots to the number 7 spot in the rankings. I completely agree with that. Um, what's next for all these guys? I mean, who's to tell? But Sean Brady will probably be fighting up his next opportunity. At middleweight, Nazardine Imovov moving up to 11, Paul Craig to 12, and Chris Curtis to 13 as Calvin Gaslam drops down to 14. I have no idea how Calvin's still even ranked at middleweight. They should bump him from the rankings after that uh, just terrible showing. Against Sean Brady. No sympathy for him from me. No sympathy. And at women's bantamweight, Misha Tate moves up one spot from 12 to 11 with her big win over Julia Avila this past weekend. So a lot of big changes. Biggest ones, though, Sean Brady jumping up to seven. I could see him maybe fighting. Hmm. I don't see him fighting Wonderboy Thompson. Uh, maybe Shavka Rachmanov. He could even maybe fight Gilbert Burns if that Jack Dahl Malena fight doesn't work out. I don't know. I don't really know what to do with Sean Brady right now, but I'm sure we'll figure something out. Armin Tsukrian, though, I say title shot or he fights Dustin Poirier. I think those are his two options. Those are why I think everyone kind of agrees with this. And as for Jalen Turner, you know, he's currently ranked number 10. I like fights with number 9, Dan Hooker, maybe even Benil Dariush even, since Benil's probably going to keep getting fed to the dogs. We'll see what they do with Jalen Turner, but hey. He's a, he seems to be a pretty good fighter. He seems to be a pretty good fighter to me. Devson Figueredo, now ranked number eight. I want to throw him up the rankings. I like a fight with number five ranked Piotr Jan or even number three ranked Henry Cejudo. I like both of those fights for Devson Figueredo personally. 
And as for um, flyweight, of course, Brandon Royval, now ranked number two, will be fighting Alexander Pantoa for the flyweight championship in about uh, just about two weeks. And as for Mil Bazi, he'll be in the co-main event of UFC Mexico City in February against number one ranked Brandon Moreno. So those are going to be so many fun fights that are going down in the future. But that's all the UFC news we got for now. But in the virtual world of UFC, there is always stuff going down. UFC 5 finally adding two new fighters. The game is about almost two months, and they finally add some new fighters. The man we just talked about, Amir Bazi, was finally added. Currently ranked number two at flyweight. I hope he's added. And number two ranked Jan Chayonen at women's strawweight, who's probably fighting Zhang Weili for the women's championship next time out. Hopefully in China. That would be they're both from China, so that would be an amazing fight to put on in China. But it's about time they added them. Other than that, they made some tiny additions to like uh, I don't even know, just like movement and stuff. But this game has been a huge disappointment. I mean, I struggle to even play it sometimes. I mean, I played the game with Miral Bazi and Yan Chaonin just to do it. But just it just doesn't hit like UFC four. UFC four was fun. It was it was it was just a fun game. I could play a bunch. UFC five just needs to add more fighters. And I know they got some good fighters coming, but I mean if we go division by division, I mean at flyweight, they're not planning to add any new fighters coming up. I mean, number nine, Mohamed Mokayev. Number six, Manel Cape. I mean, I'd, I'll even go far as to say number five ranked Mathewis Nikalu. These are guys that should be in the game. At bantamweight, I mean, pretty much everyone has been pretty good. Number 14 ranked Umar Namagomedov, I feel, should be in the game. A little surprised Ricky Simone isn't. He's currently ranked number 12 and has been in the UFC for like five or six years now. And featherweight, they do a pretty good job. Most of our Evlov, ranked number nine, is coming in January. Bryce Mitchell, ranked number 10, is coming in February. But, I mean, other than that, they really need to get on it. At lightweight, I mean, you have Benoit Saint-Denis, now ranked number 12, who's probably getting a huge fight next. He should be in the game. Jalen Turner has proven to me he should be in the game. I mean, he just knocked out Bobby Green, who's in the video game. And he's not. That just doesn't make sense. Sean Brady proved to me he should be in the game. Same with Jeff Neal, who's currently ranked number eight at welterweight. I mean, he should be in. They're planning to add Machado Gary, Ian Gary, um, whatever that is. Where are they planning to add him? January or whatever? Um, I have no idea what they've been doing. But I'll tell you the big person they need to add is number eight ranked middleweight Brendan Allen, who just had a fight night. He just had a fight night and won. He beat Paul Craig, who's in the game. Why is Brendan Allen not slated to be in the game? Light heavyweight actually does probably the best job of all the divisions. A little surprise, number 10 ranked Ryan Spann isn't in the game, but uh, I'll let that slide. And at heavyweight, they are planning to add Halton Almeida, who just beat Derek Lewis. They really need to add him. Other than that, I mean, no one really else. I'm a little surprised Marcin Tabira isn't in the game. He's been in the UFC almost like 10 years. So there's that, and to be honest, I could care less about adding any woman fighters. Not to be offensive. Now, they are adding uh, number three-ranked Myra Bueno Silva in January as she's fighting for the belt in January. But other than that, UFC 5 has just not been hitting the same. Video game land, uh, we ended out with the GTA 6 trailer. The GTA 6 trailer dropped, received an Un, just undisputedly large amount of views, of likes, of just shares. And I mean, we've waited so long for even a trailer for this for this video game. It's been, actually, it has been, once 2023 comes to an end, I mean, it will, it will have been officially 11 years, and probably it's going to be 11 years since before we can even play the game, because it said at the end, coming out in 2025, which is a huge doozy. 
Here's your doozy to any video game fans, but the trailer looked nice. It looks like there's going to be two characters you can play as, as the protagonists or the antagonists. Are, I think they're protagonists, but there's actually a term called like a D-E-U-R-O-tagonist, which I think is like, he's like Chris Montesanti from The Sopranos. He does good, he does bad, he's in the middle, he's like the neutral character, even though Tony Soprano is the protagonist, but kind of acts like a protagonist. Um, but yeah, it looks like it's going to be kind of like a um, Bonnie and Clyde, they go on robberies and stuff, they'll probably get involved with some gangs or whatever, but the graphics look outstanding, it looks just like a movie, honestly, it is absolutely incredible. Uh, they're going to be in Vice City which is in basically modern-day Miami, so like Florida. So it's pretty good. They're going to have Florida wildlife. We're going to be seeing some alligators, probably some stuff like that. This uh, The map is double the size of GTA V, so it's going to be even more expansive. Looks incredible. They, get, they have just the detail, the graphics, and they've been adding stuff from real life um, Florida world there's like this joker criminal who got arrested he like his tattooed like his face is like joker they had him in the trailer they had some lady holding two hammers saying she was part of like the neighborhood watch group or whatever she made an appearance in the um in the game not actually her but they make like an adaption of her and just like ladies being on top of cars I mean the the car graphics look amazing the actual police cars and apparently with police is they're not actually going to shoot you like like how GTA 5 is, where it's like a hit every single time you do a crime. So um, it, it looked amazing. I cannot wait till they do more trailers, give us more info. But this game is going to break so many records. I'm, it's sad I'm going to have to wait. By the time it comes out, I might be graduated college. That is absolutely insane. I played this game when I was in middle school, and I might graduate college by the time it, we get another installment of a GTA game. But Nonetheless, I was happy to see the GTA 6 trailer, and it brought me brought me back to when I played GTA 5 for the first time. I remember my parents forbid me from playing that game because they thought it like created violence. So actually, I mean, it's not like a good game. I mean, I wouldn't let I wouldn't let my like 12 year old kid play it. But now that we're older and we know what not to do bad things, yeah, it's 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 okay now. Check it in on our leagues, NBA and NHL. Obviously, we'll get to the NFL in a bit, but I mean, we always do our little check-ins. The Boston Celtics sitting atop uh, the uh, the freaking um, what is it? The Eastern Conference. I always forget the names of the conferences. Looking pretty good, fifteen and five. They did suffer a loss the other night, but um, yeah, doing so good, eight and one in their division. You know, top of top of their conference, not or their division, top of their division, conference wise, still a top uh, in second place in the Eastern Conference. The Bucks, fifteen and six, two game win streak. They are uh, only half a game back from the leading spot in the Eastern Conference. They've been playing good ball. They've been playing good ball, and at number. Number three in the league, top of the Southeast Division, the Magic, the Orlando Magic, 14-7. and seven. They're on a two-game losing streak, but they're only a game and a half back from the top spot in the Eastern Conference. Some teams kind of struggling. The Raptors, 9-12 and 12 on a two-game losing streak, are 0-6 in their division. Um, in the Central Division, the Pistons, 2-19, uh, 18-game losing streak. They just cannot get a win. You just cannot get a win to save their life, and this team is just terrible. I say look to next season. Uh, honestly, your season's over. It's it's already over. Almost as bad, the 3-17 and 17 Wizards on a three-game losing streak, they just they cannot string anything, anything together. This Wizards team is absolutely atrocious. They have no star power. It's really bad. 
Miami, though, number two in the Southeast Division, uh, 12 and 9, slowly climbing back up the ranks. They've been looking looking pretty good. Honestly, Bulls on three game winning streak now after previously being, they were, what, 5 and 14, now 8 and 14. Good for them. But yeah, it's been a hectic season. We'll see what's going on. Pacers, Cavs continue to rise. Knicks, kind of average of the pack. We'll see. In the Western Conference, though, the best team in the NBA. The best team in the NBA. It's not the Celtics. No, 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 no. The best team in the Western Conference and the NBA, the 16-4 Minnesota Timberwolves. I can't believe it. I never thought I'd see it. I don't even care if we we don't even do good the rest of the season. Right now is crazy. 20 games in, we only have four losses, 16 wins, and we're the top of the NBA. Five-game win streak for the Wolves. 11-2 in the conference, 4-0 in the division. This team just cannot beat just cannot be stopped. Cannot be stopped. They've looked amazing. Second in, second, second, three games behind the Timberwolves are the Thunder and the Nuggets. Thunder are 13 and 7. Nuggets are 14 and 8. Just average, average, average of the pack. Three games behind. All right, three games behind. I think I find that crazy that the Timberwolves are three games ahead of two teams in the second. I mean, you just love to see it. Um, in your fourth and fifth spots, Mavericks are 12 and 8, coming off a big win. They've been average kind of this year. Luca did get a triple double in the first half 25 point triple double in the first half, never done before in NBA history. Absolutely incredible. And the Lakers, 13 to 9 on two game win streak, four games back from first. You know, LeBron trying to do the most he can. He's hoping that his son comes next year. I know LeBron's getting tired. All right. Bottom, bottom. This is actually crazy. Bottom of the Pacific Division, the the Warriors, ten and eleven, nine and nine in the conference. The Warriors dynasty is finally falling apart, and um, just absolutely terrible. Fifth, bottom, bottom of the Western Conference. Um, only one game better than the two and nineteen Pistons are the three and seventeen Spurs on a fifteen game losing streak. Victor Wembanyama has not been the factor that the Spurs needed, and I think Greg Popovich is going to retire soon. Pelicans at 12 and 10, um, they're doing all right. Uh, Kings at 11 and 8, they're doing all right. Um, Jazz 7 and 14, Blazers 6 and 14. Everyone's, everyone's just kind of average. I'd say the biggest stories are probably the Timberwolves and Celtics running their respective conferences and the Spurs and Pistons doing absolutely terrible. Um, as for the in season tournament, Apparently that's been going off. Um, Pacers, Bucks are still undefeated in the in-season tournament for the East, and the Lakers are the only undefeated team in the Western Conference. I think the Timberwolves are not qualified for the in-season tournament. If I'm being honest, I have no idea how the in-season tournament works. For the NBA, don't really watch that much NBA. We kind of just do these little check-ins. Same goes for our next league, the NHL. As we look at the Eastern Conference, I mean Rangers... Top of the, uh, actually, they're now tied for top of the Eastern Conference. 24, uh, no, they're 18. They've played 24 games. 18, 5, and 1. Uh, 18 wins. They've been doing absolutely amazing. They got 37 points. Tied with them, the Bruins, 17, 4, and 3. 37 points. They're on a three-game win streak. Uh, been doing pretty good. Been doing pretty freaking good. Um, Panthers have 32 points, 15, 8, and 2. Red Wings in third in the Atlantic Division, 14, 7, and 3. 31 points. Who else has got 30? Um, actually, the Metropolitan Division is just being taken over by the Rangers. Um, Hurricanes at 29 points, 14, 10, and 1 record. Um, and the worst team in the Eastern Conference is the 8-14-5 and five Blue Jackets on two-game losing streak. Checking out the West, the best team in the NHL. There it is, the Golden Knights, 17-5-5. Five and five. 
I mean, this team is good. And it's crazy that they were like, they're not the newest team, but the second newest team to be added. And actually, I was able to see it in my like lifetime, in actual my conscious lifetime of being aware of the sporting world. Um, it's been nice seeing the Golden Knights win, um, as I'm not like a full-blown Golden Knights fan, but I do have a Golden Knights hat, so I consider myself a fan. Oh my gosh, the bottom of the pack, the bottom of the pack, the Blackhawks, 7-16-1, only 15 points, bottom of the Central Division, and just barely, just barely better than them is the 7-17-2 Sharks, just absolutely atrocious. Wild are 7th in the Central, I actually think, they're not bottom of the Western Conference, but they're 9-10-4, they are on a four-game win streak, they've been playing good. Um, Coyotes, 4th in the Central Division, 13-9-2. They got 28 points around a 5-game win streak. Last team to check out the Oilers, who are at one point 5-12-1, are on a 5-game heater, and now sit at 6 in the Pacific Division, 10-12-1 record. They've been doing good. Canucks as well, 16-9-1. They got 33 points. And the Stars, 14-7-3, have 31 points. And we'll even mention the Jets, 14-8-2. I don't know too much about the NHL, but I know the Timberwolves aren't doing, or no, not the Timberwolves, the Wild are not doing too hot, and that the, uh, what am I, what was I going to say, the uh, the Blackhawks, Carmadard is like the big talk of the league, but other than that, nothing, nothing much for me, personally. Alrighty, we got three more, three more segments left, wow, we're already th- almost 30 minutes in, and I've talked about, this was supposed to be my intro, this is kind of like my intro of sorts. But uh, we have a lot to talk about, so it's always fun to go over all the events. So what we're going to do now is we are going to look at week 14 of the NFL. Of course, we drop all of our predictions beforehand. That's just what we do. Let me look up the NFL standings real quick so I can just see where everyone's sitting at. Because a big couple weeks ahead, playoffs are looming. A lot of matchups are in the air. And the, um, what is it? The AFC is up for grabs, by the way. AFC is up for grabs. Looks like currently it's a battle between the Jaguars, Chiefs, Ravens, and Dolphins. But at the moment, Ravens and Dolphins tied for the best. I believe Dolphins currently get the number one seed. I don't know for sure. Did the Ravens beat the Dolphins? I can't really recall, but we'll see what happens there. We got a number of matchups to analyze, and then I'll look at all my uh, then I'll look at my fantasy teams after we're done, and I'll talk about um, what players I want to pop off this week and talk about what scenarios I have for all my leagues because I'm looking to make the playoffs in all my leagues. We'll see how I'm doing because uh, we are currently on a two game. Or not, I'm, I'm on bigger win streaks in my uh, in some of my leagues. But currently, two straight weeks, I have won in all four of my leagues. Yet to be done all season, we've done it two weeks in a row. I'm here for it. I love it. Let's jump in with our Thursday Night Football game. Probably by the time you're listening to this, you already know what happened. Unless you listen to this right after it drops. I don't know. We'll see. But the Patriots will be visiting the Steelers for an AFC showdown. And this one is probably not going to be good. This is being called like the worst game of all time. It's hilarious that's happening on Thursday Night Football. It seems that Amazon Prime gets the worst games of the year is absolutely comical. Steelers 7 and 5 with a minus uh 20 what no it's actually it's actually higher it's like a minus 36 point differential 37 point differential. Uh Steelers just their Mitchell Trubisky's in this week Kenny Pickett will be out and I mean I'm not even starting George Pickens in fantasy. I cannot start George Pickens in fantasy. Patriots, the worst team in the AFC, and if it wasn't for the Panthers having one less loss, they'd be the worst team in the league. On a five-game losing streak, 
two and ten, the worst offense in the league with only 148 points scored. Now the defense 254 points allowed. That's bad, but it's nowhere near the worst. But that does leave them with a minus 106 point differential, and I just ugh, that is that is quite disgusting. That's quite disgusting. This offense is just absolutely terrible. I wonder if Bailey Zappi's starting tonight. Or, yeah, he probably is. They bench Mac Jones. He's he's just terrible. And I mean, you know, both these teams, I mean, the Steelers can make the playoffs. Patriots are looking at who they're going to draft next year. So we're going with the Steelers in this one. Even though the Steelers just lost to the Cardinals, the Patriots are just so bad. Their offense is so bad. I just cannot pick against them, especially because the Steelers have a good D. Steelers haven't even given up. um, They've only given up 229 points thanks to that uh, 24 bomb from the Cardinals. But other than that, their defense has been a cornerstone of their team, but I'd compare the Jets' D to the Steelers' D, whereas the offense is bad. So it's like, the actually, the Patriots, too, where the offense is so bad that the defense just eventually will give up points because they're out on the field way too much. But both these defenses are good. These offenses are not. But we're picking the Steelers for you, Seth, my roommate, and just because I just will not pick the Patriots the rest of the year. Kicking off our noon games, right? Kicking off our noon games. Because I believe we have two Monday Night Football games. Yes, we have Monday Night Football games. And we had a game flexed to Sunday Night Football. Perfect. All right. Kicking off our noon slate of games, we have the Panthers visiting the Steelers. I mean, I mean, not the Steelers. The Saints, a little divisional matchup in the NFC South. Is this the second time they've played this year? I believe no. Or yes. Yes, they already played earlier this year where the Saints beat the Panthers in week two, 20 to 17. Very interesting. As of right now, the Saints are coming off of a, did they win last week? No. Three game losing streak for the Saints, five and seven. Yes, I remember now. They lost to the Falcons. Um, Yeah, you know what? But they do have a plus two point differential despite being on three game losing streak. I mean, Jameis Winston, Derek Carr, not too bad of a locker or just not too bad of a QB locker room. Alvin Kamara has been looking good. Chris Olave looks good. Even Taysom Hill, he's been looking good too. But there's average. There's average. As for the Panthers, the worst team in the league, 1-11, five-game losing streak, 191 points put up, yet team even crossed 200, and they've given up 313. So they have the third worst they might have the third worst they have the third worst defense in the league but uh oddly enough not the worst offense not the worst offense by a couple teams so there's that um Adam Thielen I can't even start him in my six-man all-star league Bryce Young just has found other targets um Chubba Hubbard will have to be started in my 12-man league unfortunately hopefully he does good um, it's crazy he's overtaking the backfield for Miles Sanders, who had such a good year with the Eagles last year. Just how it works out. I'll be around with the Saints, though. I just cannot. The Panthers like the Patriots. I just cannot pick them. Even if there's going to be an upset, you just can't pick them. I'm rooting for Taysom Hill this week. Um, love that guy. Just an absolutely amazing dual threat, tight end, running back, QB. But um, he's questionable right now, so I hope he plays. But the Saints, I mean, the AFC South is up for grabs. Only a game behind. Only a game behind the Falcons are the Buccaneers and Saints. But uh, the winner of the Buccaneers and Falcons this weekend will actually be atop the division. So that'll be super interesting. We'll see what happens. But yeah, we're riding with the Saints in this one. Returning from their bye, the Ravens will be hosting the Rams, and the Rams have been on absolute fire. Three-game win streak, they're now plus 15-point differential, 6-6, six and six, and are second in the NFC West. And let me see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. So we have five teams currently locked in for the playoffs, if I'm looking at. There's a tie between the Packers, Vikings, Seahawks, Rams. 
for who's going to be getting that six and seven spot in the playoffs. And this Rams team has been really, really impressive of late. Kyron Williams has looked great since his return from IR. Matthew Stafford finally connecting with Cooper Cup this weekend. I mean, the defense was looking good this last week. This Rams team, very impressive. Yeah, so the Ravens might just be the best team in the AFC, one of the best teams in the league. Nine and three. 324 points allowed. I mean, allowed. 324 points scored. 187 points allowed. Losing, doing some quick math. That is going to be a plus 137 point differential. I absolutely love to see it. Two game win streak for the Ravens. Lamar's putting up an MVP year. Gus Edwards, Keaton Mitchell, they've looked great. I mean, Odell Beckham, was it Zay Flowers? Got Rashad Bateman even out there. And their defense is number two in fantasy. This defense is absolutely ballistic. They The worst this defense has done all year was when they had five points against Cincinnati, or they allowed 24 points and only had one pick and one sack. But they usually put up double-digit points every week. Going with the Ravens in this one, but it'll be tough. Coming off a bye, playing a team that's hot, I do say the benefit is that the Ravens are at home at home and have looked good at home. Moving along, the Colts will be taking on the Bengals. This one's going to be very interesting for sure in the AFC. Bengals six and six now. You know they're not they're down but not out of the playoff race. Um, despite having a minus twenty seven point differential, they did upset the Jaguars last weekend or last Monday, I should say. So. Not too long ago, that was shocking. I'll say that was shocking. Jake Browning was looking pretty good, taking over for Joe Burrow the rest of the year. Joe Mixon was a stud. Jamar Chase is still as good as ever. This this Bengals team, kind of tricky, kind of tricky. But the Colts, four-game win streak. They have now put up 300 points. They have almost given up 300 points. They do have a plus-four point differential. But they're 7-5, second in the AFC South. And as of right now, I believe they're in the playoffs. They're better than the Steelers. They're easily better than the Steelers. And did they beat the Browns? I can't even recall. But yeah, Colts, they've been looking pretty good. Gardner Minshew, I mean, they now I will say that this game's going to be interesting. Because now the Bengals are at home, which is their advantage. But this Colts defense has been looking much better than late. You know, they got they blocked two punts last week. And I think the Bengals just had that Monday night luck. I'm riding with the Colts still. Let's make it five straight wins. I just think this Colts team has got some fire lit under them. I hope they can get it done. But we'll see because the Bengals always ready to strike. Keeping our 12 o'clock slate rolling, we have the Jaguars taking on the Browns. This is a big one. Both these teams definitely, definitely in need of a bounce back. Browns now on a two-game losing streak, are third in the AFC North, 7-5. and five. Do have a plus 13-point differential, but their numbers have now reached middle of the pack, despite this defense playing pretty good. Jaguars, um, 285 points put up, 259 points allowed, plus 26-point differential. Got upset by the Bengals. I mean, this is... Jaguars are clearly not as good as we're making them. Now, Trevor Lawrence, still a stud. He might be out, though. C.J. Berthard is probably starting next week, so that's going to be a doozy. But at the same time, you know, the Browns could not win last week. The Browns could not win last week. Um, Who did they play? Who did they play? I love how I can just forget so easily. Browns played the Rams. Their defense got dotted up. Their offense could not get rolling. They got a couple big plays, but... I'll be honest, Jaguars D should be able to handle the Browns, but you know what? We're gonna we're gonna ride with this Jaguars team. There's just something about I think Travis Etienne can hang in there. Calvin Ridley can get done, Evan Ingram can get done. If I think Kirk's injured, maybe, but you know what? We're gonna ride with the Jaguars. Maybe an upset. Might be an upset. We're riding with a lot of away teams, actually. Now that I'm looking at my picks, 
I'm picking way too many away teams. But hey, maybe that's the theme of the week. The away teams get the wins. Um, who knows? We'll see. But yeah, Jaguars, I still got faith in you. Now, don't count me out yet. Don't count me out yet. NFC North matchup. These are the games I like to see. As the Lions will visit the Bears this time around. Lions are 9-3. 3, 327 points put up. 286 allowed. This team's been looking good. Couple stingy matchups the last two, three weeks, though. Um, Bears, 4-8. Minus 54 point differential, this Bears team sucks, you know, but they have four wins, you know, they're the best of the worst teams, oddly, even though they lost to the Panthers. Bears are 4-8, and eight. coming off of a win last time out, who the Bears beat? Oh, they beat the Vikings, kill myself, oh my gosh, yeah, that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate, but you know what, this Lions team, they're dominant, they know what to do. The defense, if the defense can get going, they'll be doing good. Jared Goff, sling it. David Montgomery, run it. Justin Fields is so washed. Get him out of the league. We're easily picking the Lions in this one. Moving on, Buccaneers taking on the Falcons. This is for control of the NFC South. Falcons are 6-6 with a minus 14-point differential, are on a two-game win streak somehow. Bucks 5-7. Uh, minus 12-point differential. Teams are very similar this year. Coming off a win over the Panthers, which would end up being pretty close. But, you know, these games are all unpredictable. I'm going to go with the Bucks on the road to upset the Falcons. We'll see what happens. But I just, I think this Bucks team's got it. I think Mike Evans is going to absolutely destroy the Falcons' secondary. I think that's going to be the key to success. But if this Falcons team gets another win, I'd be, I'd be damn surprised. I'd be damn surprised. But we're going to ride with them. In this one, let's go Bucks. Let's go Buccaneers. Buccaneers over Falcons should be an, should be a good one. Texans meet the Jets in New York. Uh, this one should be this one should be interesting. I'll say that because the Jets four and eight five game losing streak, 171 points put up, 251 points allowed. Defense has been the only good thing about this team. This offense is terrible. I'm pretty sure they dropped Boyle. I don't even know if Simeon's starting, if Zach Wilson's starting. I have no idea what's going on with this Jets team. Actually, I think Zach Wilson is starting. It's just been atrocious. As for the Texans, coming off of a win, they're 7-5. They have a plus 32-point differential. All right, I this this Texans team has been getting some momentum under them. Honestly, C.J. Stroud locking up Rookie of the Year. Potential, if he could lead this team to the playoffs, maybe even get a win in the playoffs, you could be looking at MVP category for C.J. Stroud. I've been talking about Brock Purdy a lot, but C.J. Stroud has been a D.A.W.G. dog as of late. I don't know if I should start him or Justin Herbert this week in fantasy. We'll have to talk about that in a bit, but this Texans team, I've been liking what I'm seeing from them. They only lose close games, and I think that this offense can beat the Jets defense and the Jets defense will uh, or the Jets offense will not be able to beat the Texans defense. So we're going with the Texans in this one. You love to see it. And then we get into the 3:30. Slay the games, right? Yeah, we're in the 3 th- the 3:30 slay the games. Yeah, we are kicking it uh, kicking us off. The Vikings and the Raiders and it's time to get our get back. It's time to get our get back. First off, Raiders 5 and 7. Minus 54-point differential. They're on a two-game losing streak. Bottom of the FC West. All right, this Raiders team, not all they're cracked out to be. Okay, Aiden O'Connell will be starting. I'm sure Devontae Adams will prove, maybe provide a couple challenges, but maybe Josh Jacobs too, but nothing we can't handle. My Vikings, my sweet, sweet Minnesota Vikings, 6-6, six six, second in the FC North. We somehow hold the seventh spot in the playoffs. I have no idea how. Plus 21-point differential. Two-game losing streak. It'll be interesting to see. How the Vikings handle just everything. How they handle any all the adversity that we've been dealing with all year. Josh Dobbs is getting another start, but we do get Justin Jefferson back. Okay, JJ, don't hurt yourself. Be careful. Be cautious. 
But at the same time, I do worry. You know, they got weapons like Devontae and Josh Jacobs, as I mentioned. Jacoby Myers is even a threat. I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe Meyer. Was it Matt Meyer or whatever? Tight end. He'll get cooking. I don't know. I, of course, pick the Vikings every single week like the loyal fan I am. But I don't know. I don't know, guys. I don't know what's going to happen. We'll we'll see. We'll see. But um, obviously, riding with the Vikings over the Raiders. I'm, I'm not trying to put any faith into this Raiders team at all. Moving along, our 330 games are, by the way, fantastic. Seahawks visit the 49ers in an NFC West showdown. Uh, 49ers, 9-3, 352 points put up, 189 points allowed. Right now, Aussie is probably the number one team in the league. Four-game win streak, they've just been. Christian McCaffrey's been dotting people up. Debo went off last week. He had like three touchdowns. Brock Purdy has been playing up to that level he should be. Kittle's always a threat. Ayuk's always a threat. This team is special. This offense is good, and the defense also good. When your team is in the 350 categories for points put up and yet to even allow 200 points, I know you're good. I know you're freaking good. Um, but yeah, Seahawks 6-6, six and six, third in the NFC West, just outside the playoffs, just outside the playoffs. A minus 26-point differential, three-game losing streak, has not treated the Seahawks kindly, and the, yeah, they're not going to be treated kindly here. At home, 49ers, give it to me. I'm throwing it on the money line even. I'll put I'll put 100 bucks on the 49ers this week that they run through the Seahawks. Plus, plus 20, I don't know, plus 10, who knows? We'll see, but I'm easily around with the 49ers in this one. We need, we need big games from Chris McCaffrey and Debo Samuel. Another 330 matchup. Are you kidding me? Bills and Chiefs. Will they meet in the playoffs this year? Probably not. Probably not, if I'm being honest. Bills are not even in the playoffs currently. Bills are not even in the playoffs currently. There are, and I repeat, one, two, three, four. There's four teams ahead of the Bills. So of those three wild card spots that will be up up for grabs, um, there's there's already a team a team ahead of them. A t- team ahead of them that's not even in. So I don't know what's what's going on with the Bills. They're six and six. They've put up 328 points. They have a great offense. 227 points allowed. They did lose last time out. Um, I, I cannot believe that they freaking lost last time out. That was in week 12. They lost to the Eagles. Um, yeah, that was a game they were winning. They were looking good, and then they completely fell apart, which is just typical Bills fashion. Chiefs, on the other hand, upset last week. By the Packers, they're now 8-4, 275 points put up, 208 points allowed. This is not the Chiefs' dynasty that we had seen previously before, you know. This is what happens when you give away too many of Patrick Mahomes' weapons. Now, Isaiah Pacheco, the running back, an absolute stud. He's the future of the backfield in uh, Kansas City. Mahomes, he'll obviously be in Kansas City a while, but, um, you know, we're not we're not picking against Mahomes. Mahomes kind of owns the Bills, I won't lie. So we're, we're going to pick the Chiefs. They're also at home, which is an advantage. Maybe Taylor Swift will pop out for Travis Kelsey. But, um, yeah, we, we just cannot pick the Bills. The Bills are just not a pickable team against a Chiefs team. Rounding out our 330 set of games is what I think should be a good game. Should be a good game. AFC West showdown between the Broncos and the Chargers. Um, who's who's home again? The Chargers are hosting. Oh, yeah, Chargers are hosting the Broncos. These teams, have they met this year? Have they met this year? I can't recall. No, they'll meet again actually on New Year's Eve. How about that? Pretty interesting. The Broncos, 6-6. Six and six, um, 263 points for 302 points against. Yeah, this defense is not too shabby. At all. Um, are coming off a loss last week, but it was a close game. Close game. Wasn't that the Texans game? Yeah, it was. Russ kind of fell apart at the end. Threw three picks the whole game. Just was not his normal self. 
Chargers, 275 points for 258 points allowed. Had a terrible game against the Patriots last week. They managed to win 6-0 with two field goals, both in the first, both in the second quarter. Um, they're 5-7. and seven. Um, I'm going to pick probably the Broncos. I mean, the Broncos have been more impressive to me than the Chargers. Um, plus, I like picking upsets. We'll, we'll say the Broncos get it done, but... End of the day, I expect nothing big from either of these teams. Plus, the Chargers have been losing close games. If this is a close game, they're probably going to lose. That's what I, that's my prediction for this game. But hey, Corlin Sutton, do your thing. And Justin Herbert, I might start you. Still debating. So if I switch to Justin Herbert, I might have to pick the Chargers. I might have to switch my pick. But as for now, we'll go with the Broncos. Locked in as of now. Sunday Night Football, I mean, you just can't write it any better. You just can't write it any better. The Eagles will visit Dallas in a rematch, I believe, right? NFC East uh, rematch. When did they? When did they last play? Eagles last played the Cowboys in what week was it? Ooh, week nine, November fifth. Eagles won twenty-eight to twenty-three in a close game, and this is this could be a good one. It's going to be a good one. Eagles are 10-2, 329 points, but upgrade offense, 288 points allowed, though. Not a good defense. Coming off that brutal loss, 42-19 to the 49ers. The defense collapsed. Jalen Hurts couldn't step up. At the same time, it was a defense. The defense really collapsed. And as for the Cowboys, Cowboys are hot. Four-game win streak, 388 points put up. 388 points put up by four points. This is the best offense in the league. 220 points allowed. This defense is incredible. All right, be be scared to play this defense. Obviously, obviously, last week the Cowboys defense kind of fell apart against the Seahawks. But hey, guess what? Guess what? You're playing the Eagles. You already played them this year. You did good. Normally, this defense is hot and doesn't give up that many points. But hey, you know it is what it is. I, I'm going with Eagles in this one just because I got Devontae Smith, I got Jalen Hurts, I got DeAndre Swift, and I have I have Dak Prescott in my six man All Star league. But I'm already clinched a spot in the playoffs in that league just because there's six of us. I just have everyone make the playoffs, so I'm more I'm rooting for the Eagles. Plus, the Cowboys just have historically lost to teams that are um, not. They, the one my trying to say the Cowboys have lost their games this year to teams that are winning, with winning records. And the Eagles do have a winning record. Now, they did beat the Seahawks, but the Seahawks were 6-5. and five. Eagles are 10-2. and two. The Eagles already beat them this year. I'm going to say the Eagles get it done because I know for a fact a lot of people are talking about the, the Eagles are kind of falling off. Cowboys are on the rise. So I think this Eagles game will kind of shut off those haters. But at the same time, if the Cowboys score 12 points, they'll be the first team to reach 400. So we'll see what happens. But I got to root with the Eagles just from a fancy perspective. I have too many players to root against them. We'll be riding with the Cowboys. Let me reach Monday Night Football where we get two Monday Night games. How about that? We get treated on Monday Night to two games. Packers visit the Giants. Giants coming off a bye. Coming off a bye. They're on a two-game win streak, though. How about that? Um, by one point, are not the worst uh, offense in the league, but the second worst. 159 points put up. Have given up 292. It's been atrocious. What is that? Minus 143 point differential. That's terrible. That's really terrible. Um, but they're 4-8. Um, third in the NFC East. You know, they're kind of like the Bears. They're not the worst team. But this, at the same time, they're nowhere near a mediocre team. They're in the middle of medium and bad. That's all I can describe. Tommy DeVito, though, an absolute stud. You know, definitely got that mafia connections. A strong Italian. Um, love to see him play. But I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something. You know, this, this, game has me, this game has me a bit perplexed. Because a part of me, a part of me really wants to pick the Giants. A part of me really wants to pick the Giants. They're at home. 
Packers have been on a roll, you know. Packers are 6 and 6, plus 15 point differential, three game winning streak, just beat the Chiefs. There's just something about it. Monday night, cold night in cold night in New York, New Jersey, cold night in New York, New Jersey. Tommy DeVito gets cooking. All right, it's Monday night football. I'm going with the Giants. Give me the Giants in this one. I had the Packers put freaking down, and I switched it up. And honestly, honestly, it's making me want to go back and switch a bunch of my picks. But you know what? We're going with the Giants. I got to do an upset pick. I got to do an upset pick. Plus, I said I wasn't going to pick the Packers. I think I said Monday. Of course, I'm going to pick the Packers next time because they beat the Chiefs. But no. We're riding with Tommy DeVito. All right. Give me the gobble ghoul. I'm here for it. Yeah. Packers going down. Did I even mention the Packers? Yeah, I did. They're not even in the playoffs right now. They're not even in the playoffs. Six and six. They're in the FC North. They're going to lose this week. Vikings are going to win. Vikings to the Super Bowl. You know the vibe. And to round out week 14, we got a fun one if you like the Dolphins offense. Dolphins will be hosting the Titans, and I, I expect a bloodbath. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. I really expect a lot from this Dolphins team. I, I seriously do. Dolphins are 9-3, three, 384 points per up, 266 points allowed, but the defense has been looking great the last two to three weeks. Three-game win streak for the Dolphins to uh, Tyreek Still. Tua's been looking good. Tyreek's still searching for that 2,000-yard mark. He's a, he's passed 1,400, so he has to get under 600 in the next, what, four weeks or whatever. I think he can do it. I think he can do it. He has to turn up against this. I mean, if you're getting sauced by Gardner Minshew, Titans backfield, then the, the the Dolphins should easily have an amazing day against you. Titans, bottom of the FC South, 4-8, minus 42-point differential, only put up 213 points, giving up 255. Derrick Henry, who knows if he'll play? Apparently he's active now, but he was a little hurt. I, I don't know. Will Levis is all right, but maybe they switch back to Ryan Tannehill. I don't really care. I think the Dolphins are going to run them. Dolphins are going to, according to my predictions, Dolphins would be tied with Ravens for best team in the league. But um, yeah, I still think the Dolphins can can be good. We'll see how they do. I mean, the Dolphins' losses this year are to the Chiefs, which was, Chiefs was a close one, or was it? Was it? No, the Chiefs lost. 21-14 was close. Lost the Eagles 31-17. to and they lost to the Bills, didn't they? They got blown out by the Bills, didn't they? Where was that? 48 to 20. Yeah, they oddly got blown out by the Bills on my birthday, October 1st. But um, yeah, a lot of stuff going to be going down. We'll see what all happens. But yeah, we're riding with the Dolphins in that one. So let me recap my picks real quick. We're going Steelers over Patriots tonight. I just cannot, I just cannot pick the Patriots. Same scenario, kicking off our 12 o'clock games. Saints take on the Panthers. Just cannot pick the Panthers. Ravens against the Rams. I'm still riding with this Ravens team majority of the weeks. Colts against Bengals. I'm going Colts upset. I think they got more of the momentum right now. I think the Bengals might have got a fluke win. We'll see. The the exact opposite scenario, I got Jaguars in Cleveland against the Browns. I think it was a fluke loss. And I even think the backup's going to impress C.J. Berthard. Lions against Bears. I'm going with the Lions. This Bears team sucks. Even if they almost beat the Lions last time, I just cannot pick Justin Fields. Buccaneers and Falcons, it's a toss-up for me, but I'm going with the Bucs. I'm going with the Bucs. Should be an interesting one. Texans taking on the Jets. I'm going with the Texans. C.J. Stroud over whatever, whatever QB's in for the Jets. They all suck. Hitting up the 315 games, three clock games, I should say. Vikings and Raiders. I'm always going with the Vikings. Seahawks and 49ers. Rest of the year, we got to go with the Niners. Chiefs and Bills. I think Mahomes owns the Bills. That's just what I think. Broncos and Chargers. It's a toss up. At the moment, I have Broncos. Might switch to Chargers. We'll see. We'll see. Actually, I should check. How have the, how have the Chargers been at home, home this year? Let me actually check that. That might impact my pick. Uh, they're five and seven at right now. Yes, I know they're five and seven, 
but I might as well just look up the NFL. I had the NFL standings pulled up this whole time. That's what I was reading. But uh, I might as well just go and just look at how the Chargers have done. Because if they've done better at home, then that would easily solidify my prediction. Um, Chargers have lost the Ravens at home, lost the Lions at home. They've They've lost. They've beaten the Bears at home. They lost to the Cowboys at home. These are good teams, though. They lost to the Vikings on the road. Lost to the Dolphins at home. Uh, oh my gosh. Let me see how the Broncos have done on the road. This is, we're looking at key statistics here. We never even think to do this. Broncos beat the Browns at home. Or no, on the road. We're looking for the road. Lost to the Texans on the road. Beat the Bills on the road. Wow. I, I forgot about that game. Uh, lost to the Chiefs on the road. Lost to the, oh, they got blown up by the Dolphins on the road. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to stay with the Broncos just because I picked them and there's no need to keep swapping my picks like I already did. Uh, where are we at now? Eagles and Cowboys. Going with the Eagles. Got too many fancy players. Did not pick them. Packers and Giants. Give me Tommy DeVito. I love Tommy DeVito. Give me the boy. And Dolphins and Titans. The best offense in the league versus the mediocre Titans. Yeah. Give me the Titans. Before we get into our surprise topic of the episode though let me tell you about my fantasy teams you know i gotta tell you about it i'm excited for the end of the year when i go over like just a review of all fantasy and stuff that's for my teams i mean let's start off with my winner zach team in my 12-man league which a bunch of random dudes all right i'm 10 and 3 the number one seed i've clinched the playoffs i mean it's absolutely amazing i'm actually playing the number two guy my buddy landon this week so i do kind of want to beat him roster going in we got jalen hurts and Devonte smith Devonte and the flex jefferson's back we're riding calvin ridley again this week Taysom Hill currently in at tight end. I don't even have a backup. Oh, I got Dallas Goddard as my backup, but Taysom Hill's been a dog lately. David Montgomery and Isaiah Pacheco are the running backs for this week. Ravens D and the number two kicker in fantasy, Brandon Aubrey, who I found out was a rookie. All right, but um, I'm already I'm already looking towards the playoffs next weekend, so not really too concerned if I win or lose. I just like to win. I just like to win in general. That's just me personally. In my 10-man $20 buy-in league, we're still hunting the playoffs, guys. We're still hunting the playoffs. I'm currently tied for third with this other guy named Zach. I found that pretty hilarious. This is my cousin's friend, so I only know like two people in this league, actually. But I currently have a 69% chance to reach the playoffs. Um, Three guys have been eliminated, so it's currently a one, two, three, four, five-man race. I am playing the number one player in the league, who's 12-1, suffered his first loss last week. With Trevor Lawrence out, I'm going to have to start Josh Dobbs because Sam Howell's on a bye. Did absolutely screwed here. But we got Christian McCaffrey, Joe Mixon, Cortland Sutton, Rasheed Rice. I'm confident on them. Taysom Hill again. I don't even have a backup tight end. I need to. I should actually pick up a, a backup tight end right now on live. Um, should I take Isaiah Likely? Or I could either take Isaiah Likely. Um, yeah, we're taking Isaiah Likely. Fantasy is saying to take Isaiah Likely. Who should we drop? We'll drop... Well, drop shot. I have T. Higgins, Amari Cooper, and Jordan Addison all on my bench. All on my bench. I don't know who to. I'll drop Ty Chandler. I do not need Ty Chandler on the team. Even if he's a dog, even if he pops off the next few weeks. Um, well, see, I just can't drop any of these guys. Why is no one on IR? That that kind of screws me over. But nonetheless, Jerome Ford's currently in the flex, unless where he most starts healthy. We're rocking with the Dolphins D and Matt Gay. We need a we need some big performances though. Am I playing anyone? Um I play Isaiah Pacheco, so that kind of sucks to have him. I play Mike Evans, I have him in another league. Um other than that, you know what? We'll it'll be interesting to see. I hope I make the playoffs. We'll see though. In my Cato Boys League, I am in third. I'm currently tied for third again. Absolutely crazy. 
Um, I do have a 99% chance to make the playoffs, though, so that's kind of hype. Uh, team CJ Strode. I'm debating between Strode and Herbert this week. Gus Edwards and Chubba Hubbard are the starting running backs. Not too hot. Tyree Kill and Cooper Cup. Sam Laporte is a dog. DeAndre Swift and Flex. Dolphins D and Brandon Arbery again. I don't know what I'm going to do with this team. I'm, I'm not really too hot on it. And as for the six-man All-Star League, Dak Prescott starting QB. We got Kyrene Williams in. Devin Achani I picked up off waivers. Mike Evans, Debo Samuel, Travis Kelsey. Etienne is currently in my flex, but I might swap him for Puka Nakua. We'll see. Or even Nico Collins. Um, Ravens D and the number one kicker in fantasy. Cleveland kicker Dustin Hopkins. Been absolute dog. Um, actually had a 22-point performance in Week 7 against Indiana. Four field goals made and three extra points made. Some from over 50 yards. So, hoping to do well in fantasy this week. Playoffs are looming. We'll, uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I need to give my voice a rest as we've reached the hour mark. We've reached an hour mark. I still have two more segments to talk with everyone about. I mean, I just, I get better at podcasting every episode. Just talking to myself. How about that? How fun. I talk to myself. How fun. I should really get a co-host. A co-host. I need a studio, though. I don't have a studio. But um, when we return, I can't believe I even thought of this idea, but I'll be ranking every college class I have taken so far. And I mentioned earlier, I'm in my junior year, just finished this fall semester. We got 23 classes to rank, so I'll go through all of them, talk about why they are, where they are, and just my experience in all the classes. Alrighty, stay tuned. Alrighty, we're back. We're back. I mean, I'm so... For stars, I mean, I started a Madden league with two of my buddies, two of my buddies who I actually do the NFL pickums with, and I just found out that we're playing our uh, Madden league on like all Madden, and they're losing games by like 70 points, so now I'm kind of nervous because I have to play a game later today, but that's completely off topic. Let's get into all my classes I've taken. I have 23 to rank. I mean, this is my best semester easily that I've taken. It was so much fun. I was just so blessed to just meet some amazing people, gain so much real world experience. Absolutely insane. The IBE, the integrated business experience, where basically college kids start their own startup company. It was insane. Um, And that was a class in itself. So we'll get through all my classes because I mean, this probably shouldn't take as long as I think it'll take. But um, yeah, let's dive right into it because I've been in college now for two and a half years, two and a half years. Yeah, two and a half years. How about that? So my worst class, we'll start off with number 23, the worst class I've ever taken. It was hard. It was a toss-up, but I landed on finite mathematics and introductory calculus, which I took in my spring year of 2023 when I was a sophomore, which was basically business calculus. And it was so hard. It was so hard. I have no idea how I passed this class. I'm actually, no, I'm actually perplexed how I passed this class. We did these like labs on Excel and they sucked. We freaking the exams were hard. The homework was hard. I mean, I had a terrible time in this class. Um, I'm honestly questioning how I even how I even nailed it. I'm pretty sure I had this at like 10 in the morning or something. I think I had it at 10 in the morning. And I'm actually positively sure that some people who I had class with this past semester were in that class, at least one girl I know. But um, I don't think... I, I can't remember if I had talked to her or not, but that's pretty weird. I can't remember if she was in or not, but that was just one of those classes. Um, actually, you know what? Some kid in my like lab I have for that class is actually in marketing club now. I think he has the same name as me. I don't know. But yeah, that was easily the worst class I've taken so far. But um, it was actually 
It was close. If I could do a tie, I honestly would. But in 22, I have Introduction to Information Systems, which I also took in my spring 2023 semester when I was a sophomore. And this was basically just learning how to use Word and Excel. And it became so hard at the end. It was in, say, the Excel labs were killing me. Because you have to do these extensive labs and you had to watch like these 30 videos and practice them all. This, I'm pretty sure that class. Introduction to Information Systems, which is basically CIS. It's just it's like a CIS class where you just learn about Excel and Word, as I mentioned. But I'm pretty sure it's taking up the most like amount of actual like doing work time of any of my classes that I've had. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty positive that's the case. But somehow managed to pass that class. But man, those Excel labs they still haunt me. They still haunt me in my dreams. Honestly, I still I just I still just I'm I'm fearful. I'm fearful to use Excel now, which I actually use for my NFL pick'em. But honestly, I, I remember some stuff from that class. But they you it was like an information overload. You know, honestly, information systems, information overload. And I think I have to take an even higher up level of that class next semester, or even my final semester of college, which is pretty pretty nuts. At number 21, I have United States since 1877, which I took in my spring semester of 2022 as a will litty bitty freshman. And yeah, basically talked about the United States um, since it's a big event since 1877. And this class was at like nine in the morning. I'm pretty sure I fell asleep some days. I was on the computer some of the days, not to expose myself, but I mean, I did well on the assignments. You know, we had to write papers or watch a video. I did good. And there's actually one day I remember we were in class and we did like this group activity and I was actually talking with people it was about a video we watched and I found out some kids from Germany and I was asking him questions, but there's also this kind of weird person in my class and I felt like they were like an adult or something, but they were like, old and uh they wouldn't know like they just they're probably like a senior or something but they kept they would argue like he would argue with literally whatever people said he was always trying to like create an argument about something and i kind of remember that and i remember my table was like me and these two other dudes and we all were tired and hated the class so whenever we do group discussion we're always like yeah this is uh this is fun this is fun but uh honestly it dealt dove delved dove into some interesting topics such as like the first black man to own like a home in the um suburbs of what it was either saint paul i think it was saint paul i don't think it was minneapolis i think it was saint paul and he was like a world he was a, he was a veteran from he was either i think korea world war ii or vietnam one of those three probably korea or world war ii and he was just treated terribly. His house was burned down. They even killed his dog. And it's just reading stuff about that that they just don't normally teach in like your normal classes. That uh, that was that's what really stuck out for me. And there's a lot of stuff about World War II, a lot of stuff about the Civil War and just the early times of the Industrial Revolution and stuff. But yeah, very boring. Early in the morning, have me sleep in. That's why it lands at 21. At 20, we have Foundations of Writing and Rhetoric, which I took my fall semester of 2021 as a freshman. This was my first ever, first ever college class, my first ever college class, which was basically just English 101. It was, it was English 101. I don't even want to say basically. It was, I'm pretty sure it was literally called English 101. And we basically just wrote papers in the class. I think I got a B plus just because like we did, there's like some optional final presentation and no one in the class did it. And like the teacher's like, okay, so no one gets an A and no one really knew what was going on. So, I mean, that was super awkward. I remember the first day I showed up, I showed up like 15 minutes early and the class was full. So I was like, oh, is there another class in there? And I was just kind of waiting outside and the professor came out and she was like, she was, she wasn't even a professor. She's like at the TA, you know, it's like when the students teach and she was just like, are you here for this class? I was like, yeah. And I go in and there's like one seat left right in the front. 
And basically, all we did was write papers. I wrote some banger papers in that class, though. I wrote some banger papers. I wrote a paper about a um, Ronald Reagan speech. I think I wrote a paper about my grandma. I think I wrote a paper about... I think I wrote a paper... What else did I write a paper about? I wrote a paper about something that was, like, super in-depth. It was about me. I'm remembering. It was about me, and I had to read the paper, and it took forever. I can't recall, but... It was a. Uh, it was pretty boring, and we wore masks. And whenever we had to wear masks, because this was still like COVID times, my nose would run so bad that I would literally have snot like coming out from under, like under my mask. My mask was covered, but my nose was just leaking. So I always wanted to get out of there. It was at like ten in the morning, and I learned that ten in the morning in college is completely different than ten in the morning on any other normal day. So it was. It was interesting. It lands at twenty, but uh, yeah, it was not the best time. But I did write some banger papers in that class. And number 19, I have principles of macroeconomics, which I think is like, it's either Econ 101 or it's like Econ 200 something. I don't know, but I took it in my fall semester of 2022 when I was a sophomore, somewhat experienced, but still kind of a newbie. I had my one buddy, Cole, walked in there. He's actually been on the podcast twice. Um, and he, he stopped showing up some days. <laughs> he stopped showing up some days. I showed up every day. But man, I legit think I almost fall asleep in that class. I, I think I legit almost fall asleep because it was a... You print out your notes, and you're supposed to follow along with the professor. And the professor, he was this very nice older Asian gentleman. What was his name? Quang Ho Cho or something. Vincent was like his American name. And he was nice, but he it just put me to sleep, man. And actually, my eyes literally doze off. It was like 9.30 on like a Monday. I had the class on Wednesday, and I was just fighting to not fall asleep in that class. It was it was pretty brutal. Um, but I remember I took all my tests with Cole. I just went over to his place, and we both took our exams. I'm pretty sure I passed with a B plus or an A, so it all worked out. But macroeconomics, I mean, you really need a good professor to teach you that. Let me tell you that because, you know, even if Vincent was nice, he put me to sleep with some of the stuff he said. And plus, when you read right from the book, it really just drains you. Number 18, I have Introduction to Politics, which I took in my spring semester of 2022 as a freshman. That's right. And this class was so weird. First off, I show up and I'm the first person there. And I'm kind of like, am I in the right class? There's not even a professor here. And he showed up pretty much late every day. And there was only like three of us in the class that actually consistently showed up. I think the class consists of like five kids. I, I couldn't even believe it. And it was it was so weird. I could barely understand him. He had such a thick accent. And it was, it was just super awkward at times because... And honestly, I didn't even know. I think I failed like our first. I didn't fail. I've never failed an exam, but I got like a C or a D on the like first exam or first two exams or the homework or something. And I was just like, well, well where's the where's the notes? And I learned that basically he gives out note sheets. And if you do all the note sheets, the exact questions are on the exam. So after that, I was acing every exam but because we got to take it online wherever we wanted. But it was just like so awkward and we talked about some little bit of politics i, I can't even really remember it was so awkward because there was three of us in the class and i showed up every single day but um it was it was kind of awkward it lands at 18 it lands at 18 i don't even remember any of the kids i had the class with actually there might have been there might have been one girl who i had met freshman year who i think one of my buddies had like kind of had a thing for for one night they didn't even like do anything just had like a little thing for a night but uh, she came like one day. So that's my only recollection of that class. At number 17, I have legal environment of business, which I took in my fall semester of 2023 as a junior. I just took that class. And the reason it lands at 17 is because it was completely online. It was really completely online. 
like literally the, the exam was easy. The homework was easy. I mean, I learned a lot about law and like business law and stuff, but um, at the end of the day, you know, you just, I take notes on the chapter. I do all the assignments and that was that, you know, it wasn't bad. I, I think I have a 95.6 at the moment, but I did like this 20 point extra credit paper, which I did not need to do. So I was hoping that bumped me up to like almost a 100%. She hasn't even put that in the grade book. So I, I, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to hit that professor up or something. Cause like, Hey, I turned it in, it shows it submitted. Get, get my paper graded. I think it was on like some three Minnesota judges or something, the paper, but you know what? We didn't even meet. It was like asynchronous. That's when no one even meets. So lands at 17 on the list. Not a bad class, but no interactions, no interactions. At number 16, I have Western Humanities 1, Cave Paintings to Cathedrals, which I took in my fall semester of 2021 as a freshman in my first ever semester at college. Um, the professor was apparently some famous lady who, like, she had written, like, a book. She was, like, big in, like, uh, the Western humanities, the humanities era or whatever that is. But, yeah, we literally analyzed, like, art. We analyzed art. We analyzed, like, some old, uh, like, Roman sculptures versus, like, Greek sculptures. We analyzed, like, paintings of uh, the 1300s versus the 1400s. It was all right, but I mean, I bought the book, and there was no reason for me to buy the book in the class, which just annoyed me. So now I always double-check that, which was kind of BS. I was kind of pissed about that. But um, yeah, it was just an average class. They did have one day when they were, they were talking about religion stuff, and they asked, like, who is Jesus Christ? And I said that he's, like, our Lord and Savior or whatever. And I was super proud of myself because I, was, I, I actually stood up for my faith, and I shared stuff. But um, I do remember there was this kid in this class named Cato who uh, was super awkward because we go to Mankato and when we were sharing our names, we had to share our name and like a hidden talent of ours or like something fun about ourselves. Yeah, it was something fun about ourselves. And he said his name's Cato and they were like, oh, are you from Mankato? He's like, no, but it was like super kind of awkward. And there was actually, there was this one chick. She came in late the first day and she she was, she seemed nice, but uh, literally like she came in the second week and the, no, she didn't come in the second week and the teacher's like, so whatever her face actually fell out of her dorm bed trying to climb up it and broke her freaking leg. And I was just like, oh damn. And she showed up like a month later after I'm like, how are you even passing the class? She was in like crutches or something, super weird. And there was this one kid. There's always that one kid. I only, you can only call him a band kid. That's all you can call him. Almost looks like he's balding. She carries around um, a satchel as his freaking book bag. And they asked him first day. I, th- I can't remember what I said. My favorite, like a hobby or something I had or like a special talent I had. I think I said like I c- collect stuff. I don't even know what I said. Who knows? Nothing to sound weird. But this kid says I can do a Mickey Mouse impression. And he does a freaking Mickey Mouse impression. And I was looking around at some other kids like this is so cringy. This is so weird. But it's one of those things where, like, you're almost laughing because, like, you cannot believe a real human being is doing this. But it wasn't too hard of a class. I don't even know if we had exams. I'm pretty sure I just wrote papers. So easy class, not too memorable. But um, you know what? It was, it was in my first semester of college. Entering the top 15, I have Introduction to Public Life, which I took in fall of 2022 as a sophomore. I consider myself still young at that point. I think my first three semesters were really me being young, and in my last two, I've grown. So in my final three, we'll see how even more I grow as a person. But this was an online class. We did meet. We actually did meet for this class. But the teacher was kind of weird, definitely kind of like a pronouns lady. That's how I'll describe her. And our assignments, I mean, we did some like quizzes and stuff, but a lot of the time was making cartoons. I, I, I'm generally so confused what this class was about. I think it was kind of about like social issues or something. But I remember I had to make cartoons and create stories. And I made some really bad ones, which honestly, they weren't terrible. They were just kind of like mid. And the, the professor was like all about it. And I, I would speak in class sometimes when like we were on the Zoom calls. 
But it was just it was just such a weird class. It was so random. I, I almost questioned what I was learning in that class because I'm like, I feel like this is just all common knowledge. But nonetheless, aced it with an A. You know, it's just what I do. Collect my grade, move on. But um, public life, super, super awkward class. It only lands this guy because nothing bad happened. Nothing bad happened. Everything went well in the class, but just no real idea what to make of it. Reaching into uh, Ginnan at 14 is Introduction to Nutrition, which I took in the spring semester of 2023 as a sophomore. Yes, one of my 2023 classes. Um, the professor was, what word did I, could I use to describe her? Quirky. I think quirky is a good word. Quirky is a really good word. Um, she was a nutritionist, and she was also a runner, but she was so skinny. She was so skinny. It looked just like skin and bones, and she was not old, but she was probably in like her 40s or something. But she was just so skinny, and she... She was just kind of awkward. She reminds me like the awkward girl grows up and becomes a professor of some kind. And it's just a super random class. I mean, I learned halfway through that you have to teach yourself from the book. But uh, once I got that down, I started nailing all my exams. Obviously, amazing student. And the open-ended questions, uh, open-ended sections of the exams were super helpful. It was all about that. Um, but yeah, it was in the nicest building. I can't remember what our nicest building is called. But it's like the nursing building or whatever, the dental hygiene building or whatever. Super nice. So I was in a super nice classroom. But I had to get there early every day or you were awkwardly scourging for a spot. Um, I do recall there was like two, there's like a couple funny kids I saw in there. I'm pretty sure there was a dude that works at Chipotle that also goes to Anytime Fitness, my gym. I think he had in that class. And there's this other, other. Uh, I think there's these two girls I somewhat knew. I think they went to high school with me. Um, but yeah, just a random class learning about nutrition. Uh, but it was kind of like we're learning about nutrition, but at the same time we have to teach ourselves. So it's not like we're actually learning. And we, I remember we had one guest speaker one day and she kept asking questions and no one was raising their hand. And I was like, yeah, I'm not being the hero. I'm sorry. I'll be the hero some classes, but not in this one. Introduction to nutrition. I remember my really whack professor. At number 13, I have college algebra, fall 2021, as a little freshman. That was right, my first ever math class. Hopefully my last. Hopefully I'm done with math for the rest of my life. Um, I did my one buddy, Ethan, in there. He lives at uh, the boys' house that I always go to hang out with down here. And, um, yeah, I actually had this uh, – the professor was a TA, and she was a uh, – I, I think she was, like, kind of Spanish or whatever. I uh, don't know if she was from from Spain or she was from Mexico. She was from some Spanish-speaking country. And, you know, it was kind of hard to understand her at times, but I had to go to her for tutoring. I went to the tutor all the time, and she worked there, and she was always helping me out with the questions. But there was one time we went there, and it took me like an hour for me and her and all the people to solve the homework that she was giving us. I was like, how are you just putting these problems on here knowing they're super hard? But she was kind. I did super well in that class. The final was all sketchy because of, like, COVID, which is probably the reason I got, like, an A or a top B in the class. But, um... Kind of a boring one. It was 50 minutes of just straight up note taking, just copying down what she wrote. And that gets repetitive. That gets really repetitive. But same time, I did well in it and it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. And I actually did somewhat decent on some of the exams. So college algebra, you land in at 13. At number 12, we have financial accounting from my spring semester of 2023. As a junior, just took this class. It was a grind, man. It was a grind. I put in effort studying for these finance exams. And honestly, I was debating doing finance as my major before I switched to marketing. Glad I did. Way too much math math and finance. But let me just say, let me just say is I did really good in this class. I did really good in this class. I got a 90.75 roundup. That's a 91%. I got an A in um, business finance. I did a full like 10% better than my marketing class, which is my major. But I just, I put in the effort, I put I put in, oh, wait, no, no, wait a second. 
This is, I'm talking about business finance. What is financial accounting for a second? Wait a minute. So the class I'm talking about, business finance, I took in fall of 2023. So I just took, I'm talking about business finance at 11. 12 is financial accounting, which is just straight up like accounting 200 or whatever. Oh my gosh, now I'm remembering that. No, I confused myself putting both my finance class next to each other. So I'm talking about business finance. So that's that'll be number 11. So we'll just jump to 10, but... At 12, financial accounting, oh my gosh. Accounting, my biggest grind of all time. My biggest grind of all time. Accounting is so hard. I gotta, say, I gotta give props. You know, I'm not even gonna hate. I'll give props to people who are accounting majors because I just, I cannot, I can't freaking do it. There's so many more accounts than I thought. If one number's wrong, they're all freaking wrong. The number of accounts, the number of things to do with bonds and stuff. I mean, it's ridiculous. I had some kid I somewhat know in that class. There's one there's one Indian kid who came in late every day and sat down next to me. It was super loud and would ask me for a pencil every day. And I thought it was absolutely hilarious. I always helped him out. And he was smart. So he always gave me good, um, good uh, help me with the homework or whatever. But I always thought it was funny. He came in late every single day and would sit down directly next to me. And go, oh, can you move your chair? I have to plug in my charger. And I move my chair just on like the tile floor and it screeches. I'm just like cringing, but so much homework in that class. I actually think I had to get Chegg. Chegg is like this, this, the stuff you pay for, the site you pay for for uh, uh, getting homework answers. I had to get it for that class. It was so hard. But yeah, that's 12. Financial accounting's at 12. I took that spring semester of 2023 as a sophomore. Uh, business finance I just took with a win-win. My professor loved win-win. She was such a great professor. And um, I did excellent in that class. Perfect attendance, always getting extra credit. You know me, doing well. Let's get into the top 10, rounding out all of my classes I've ever taken. At number 10, we have professional preparation for business uh, careers, which I took in spring of 2023 as a sophomore. It's basically called Business 295. And this was a super useful class because it basically is talk talked about stuff you need for uh it's required for the college of business but it's basically just talking about everything you need in the business world you know it helps you with a cover letter a resume helps you get a linkedin set up helps you go to networking events and we did all that stuff we talked to industry professors um the professor was kind of interesting she certainly had a personality i know a lot of people hated her like uh h-a-t-e-d hated her i just a dislike but um you know what? She's super big in the college, so I'm not going to say anything. She wasn't bad to me, personally. She gave out books. I never got a book, though, because I pretty much had a lot of the books that she was giving out. Um, but yeah, it was super interesting. I had to dress up some days. But I just think this is a super useful class. I, it actually has my LinkedIn set up. It's not a good LinkedIn, by any means, but it helped me get that set up. A rough draft, I'd call it, for my, um, for my what? My resume. That's something that's definitely been set up in that class. Just super interesting stuff we did all semester i think i had it on mondays from like 12 30 to 145 i had these two uh one girl i went to high school with and one girl who's uh like in a friend group of this guy i know they had that class with me i recognized a couple people from my gym who've had that class and apparently apparently i probably had it with some other kids who i was just in class with and this one girl i know is currently taking it so actually is done with it now but it's an interesting class all business majors gotta take it but i just think it's useful that's why it landed at 10 plus i got an a in it i got an a i'm good at being a businessman at number nine, I was actually surprised at this land here, Introduction to Literature, which I took in my spring semester of 2022 as a freshman. And this was basically, you just read. You read poems, you read books, and you talk about it, and you write papers. Here's the crazy thing. 
I did not really speak a lot in this class because it's super funny. This past semester, I spoke. I was so outspoken. It was really what I was known for is just being like such a good extroverted, positive personality. But I never spoke in class in this class. I have no idea why. I spoke a couple of times. But apparently, I did every single paper when we didn't have to. So that's how I got an A in this class. I think I got like an A vitus. But um, we read some very interesting books. We read some very interesting books. There was, oh, I'm really trying to remember. Well, there was, there was two good ones I remember. There's two good ones um, I remember. Old book about a monk. About a monk and the devil. That's all I can that's all I can really think of. I think was it called the monk? Was it called the monk? Was it called the monk? It might have been called the monk. The monk book. I'm trying to figure out what it is by Lewis, the history of Santon Barissa. Uh, I have no idea what book it was, but it was basically about, oh yes, it was The Monk by Matthew Gregory Lewis. Super, super weird book, but it was super, it was actually riveting. I was actually involved in this book. And let me see, what was the other book? What was the other book called? Actually, I'll talk about The Monk right now, but basically, basically it's about this monk and he gets this crush on this like uh girl. But first off, this was written like the 1800s. The girl's like 17. Uh, the monk is in like his 30s or whatever. He's a handsome looking monk. But he becomes like addicted to this girl and he eventually said like he makes a deal with like the devil. He makes a deal with Satan to like he'll do anything to get this girl. And basically, oh my gosh, I'm skipping so many scenes. So he basically like rapes her. He rapes her and he makes a deal with the devil in prison to get out of uh, going to uh, jail or to get out of it. And basically Satan kills him in like a brutal fashion or something. It was super weird. And there's also this storyline where like they kept having reveals like who's the son, who's the father. I've done a terrible job of describing it, but it was a super good book. And I wrote a banger, a banger paper on it, which I just, I'm so proud of. And there was another book. There's another, we read like three books, but there was only two that really stuck out to me. I'm trying to remember what it was freaking called. Book about a circus of freaks. That's what I think it's called. Um, what's it called? What's it freaking called? I'll recognize it right away. Um, it was basically about this like girl with like, it was basically this traveling circus of freaks and it was just a super good book. And there was like a bunch of plot twists in it and weird stuff about it, but I forgot the name of it. So if that ever pops into my head, I'll have to let y'all know, but I don't know. Basically randomly I'm about nothing at this point, but yeah, it was an all right class. I wrote some banger papers. I'm a top G at writing papers. At number eight, Introduction to Psychological Science, Fall 2021 as a freshman. This is Psych 101, which I had from 4 to 5.40 on like Tuesdays and Thursdays. Oh my gosh. Um, a lot of, uh, a lot of, um, a lot of like book work kind of, not really, just kind of like a lot of, a lot of psych assignments, basically. If you can think of psych psychology it's basically what it is my professor i can't remember where she was from she was from like eastern europe so she had like this this fun like switzerland accent or sweden or norway or something maybe norway actually but uh she was kind but people stopped coming throughout the semester and just you know it was i didn't speak a lot in the class it was good in a somewhat semi-big lecture hall an armstrong hall now that i'm thinking of it yeah um but it was, an all right, it was an all right class. It was an all right class. Plus, it was weird going in at 4 when it was light out and coming out at 5.40 and it was dark out. It was just kind of a vibe, and I walked back alone to the dining hall, get food, go back to my dorm alone. Sad little freshman, Zachary. No, I wasn't even sad. I was just doing my own thing. But, yep, that was freshman year, and that's crazy. It lands at 8. Just because, like, I'm trying to remember it. It wasn't too bad of a class. 
Number seven, I have Introduction to Anthropology, which I took spring of 2022 as a freshman. I like this class, man. I like this class. We we watch cool videos in class. We learn about cool things. I won't lie. I did play a lot on my computer. I'll, 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 what is it? I'll incorporate. I'll, in, I'll instigate. I'll incriminate. I'll incriminate myself by saying I did play a lot on the... Uh, on the old, um, what's my call? On the old computer, a lot of, um, like, uh, guessing, uh, I was guessing, like, WWE names or something from, like, pay-per-views or something. I can't remember. It was super, it was super funny. But, uh, we had these labs that we would go to on Friday mornings, and they were super interesting. We'd watch a video, do an interactive activity. I just liked it, man. It was just a good class. When it was over, I wasn't sad, but I was kind of just, like, under the impression, like, yeah, it was a, it was a pretty good class. It was a pretty good class. We had a good, um, good TA or whatever that helped us out. She was nice. She talked to me. She was kind. And um, just, yeah, good vibes in the introduction to anthropology class. Uh, I would also do anthropology as a major if, if it wasn't so just some aspects I just don't like. But you know what? Where I'm at now, business-wise, like with my major, I'm happy with all the choices that have led me here. All glory to God, man. All glory to God. Almost in the top five. At number six, we have introduction to physical geography, which I took in fall 2022 as a sophomore this one was weird. I had to take a science class. First off, not a big science guy at all. And I read this is the best science class to take. And it ended up being, I remember I had Mark something. I had Mark, oh, it was a simple last name. Mark, Mark Cole, Mark, Mark Road or something. I don't know. But he was, he cracked me up, man. Just how he spoke. He, he, he had that one liner. One liner, just like who Norm MacDonald. That's how I'd compare him to the type of way he talked. And I had this one girl I sat next to. She was kind. I talked to her. There's one dude in front of me. Uh, I see him all around on campus, but he was super. He was super funny. I'd always talk to those two in class. We would do a lot of interactive activities. Yeah, it was not too bad of a class. Learning about physical geography. Uh, the exams pretty straightforward. If you take good notes, you'll do well in the exam. I had a good time in that class. I was kind of sad when it was over. I won't even lie. I had a good time in that class. Not as sad as some other classes, but you know what? Physical geography, you have a special place in my heart. And now we get into our top five. And honestly, honestly, some of these, some of these are better than others, but you know what? I rock with the majority of them. And number five, introduction to criminal justice system, which I took in fall of 2022 as a sophomore. And man, I was Thordahl. I always remember this professor, Thordahl, former cop, former police chief. He taught the class. It was basically just learn about the criminal justice system, learn about like just criminal justice in general. And it was so cool. The stories he would tell about he used to be a cop in, he was a cop in like Oregon and the Dakotas and Minnesota. And he would just talk about like chasing suspects with a gun. The one time he had to shoot his gun, his one buddy who lied about, he had this crazy, crazy story about this guy who basically when you police officers, if any police officers are listening, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have to like practice your taser. And he like practiced, he had this one guy he worked with, who was buddies with, who practiced his taser. He ended up like doing like something wrong, nothing major, but it was very minor. And he basically lied about it. He lied about it. And basically the lies just kept building about everything because he he like, they asked him about it and he blamed someone else and things just kept escalating and eventually went into his home life. And it, Thordahl told this story so perfect and Basically, it just went to his home life, and everything was falling apart for him. He got fired from the police station, and he basically was just – his wife left him with the kids and stuff, and he started drinking, and he drove to a um, drove to a cemetery and killed himself. 
and it was super crazy that it all the everything spiraled from just one little incident. I think this was during our ethics discussion about just lying about one thing, and it spiraled his whole life out of control because people kept investigating, investigating who did this thing, even though it was some minor thing about just like doing something wrong with a taser or something. He didn't taser anyone. He just was like him practicing it. And I just found that story so insane and just, it really made me think. And the exams were all right in the class. I did, I think I got an A in the class. It was a lot of online work, but I'll never forget Thor Dahlman, an excellent professor. And I met some kid that I went to high school with named Nolan in that class. He was a pretty cool kid. I actually think there was a girl who I went to high school with who I didn't talk to, but was in that class. I don't know. At number four, I have principles of marketing, which I took in fall of 2023 as a junior. I just wrapped it up. I barely passed. I got it out well. You know, if you get a C, that's passing, you know, it's, but I got 81%. I got B minus, you know, me, or it might have been 82%. I like getting Bs. I don't, Cs are, Cs are not acceptable. Cs are not acceptable. I'm not a big B guy. I get a lot of Bs. But, um, yeah, you know, I will say the people made this class. You know, my professor, Professor Scott, she was all right. She was very kind. But it was a lot of, we do the work on our own. We have to study on our own. We have to pass the tests on our own. It was a lot of self-work. But the people I was working with, you know, I was obviously a personality in the class. I was talking. I would crack jokes. I would make myself the center of attention, only child syndrome. But, um, yeah, I just really enjoyed the people I was with. And that, I, that's what I think made the class. Principles of marketing, actual learning. You know, I learned about marketing. I know more about marketing now than I did before the class, obviously. But it's really the people. That made the class, which is kind of the theme. It's kind of the theme the rest of the way up. And number three, principles of management. Fall 2023 is a junior. Just wrapped it up. I mean, this class. Not your normal class at all. Taught by Professor Shane Bauer, one of the one of, one of my favorite professors. I know a lot of people don't care for him, but his method was kind of like, you know, I don't want you to just study for an exam and pass it. I want you to take stuff out of this class. Take real world stuff. And I was with the same people. I had uh, that marketing class and that business finance class, same people in my company, because like this program I was in, if we even want to call it a program, it's an experience, they call it experience. Um, everyone's in the same marketing, finance, and management class, and then they're all in the company, which is its own little thing you do on your own. But yeah, basically, I mean, did a lot of stuff in here. I wrote a lot of papers. I had to learn to deal with teammates who did not do any work, which was kind of tough. It was kind of tough to work with that, relying on people when you can't rely on them, and also relying on people when you can't. I think that's important. I also gave a speech in this class um, on a, every, every uh, there were, oh my gosh, there was freaking, I think, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There was like 12 groups. I think there was 12 groups of like six to seven, five people. And everyone had to give a presentation. And for my presentation, we went last, and I wore a suit with a blue power tie. I wore glasses to start off, and I threw them to my one kid in my group. And I was walking around the room. I was being super energetic. I gave away the Hasbulla cutout. I mean, I was just the man. I was just the man. I felt like the man. And I just brought the energy to that class, man. And I correlated our projects to meet with the kids at my place in that class. And on my final paper, which was 23 pages, I actually had to do a table of contents and stuff. I just went really went in on everything. You know, it was a lot of self-reflecting. I mean, our midterm was us grading our teammates or my or my groupmates, I should say, not my teammates, my groupmates, my five other groupmates. And that was really tough. And the professor looked at me. It's just me and him in his office. That's how we did everything one on one for like five minutes. And he said, what am I doing wrong? And I said, I don't know. I just can't answer that. He said, okay. And he spoke around class how, you know, don't be scared to share stuff. So if anyone ever asks you, what am I doing wrong? What can I improve on? Always give an answer. Always give an answer. Saying nothing is just, you know, it's, it's such a sympathy answer. And even when it's true, you know, people, people don't feel it's real. 
because they obviously know something can be fixed. But it lands at three. The people made that class, and Jim Bauer, I like you. I also, I want a TV from him. He was giving away his old 65-inch TV, still in my freaking car. No idea what I'm going to do with that, but um, we'll figure that out. Let's get into the top two. My number two class of all time, Fundamentals of Communication, basically Communication 101, which I took in fall of 2022 as a sophomore. Man, oh man, this class will always hold a special place in my part. I could not remember the professor's name. She was like a TA. She was from an Asian country. I can't remember. I don't think it was China. I don't think it was Japan. I cannot remember, but she was so fun. Um, she she was so brutally honest. It was so funny. And I met my one friend Brody in there. I actually just saw him a bit ago. Super cool guy. Love seeing him. Met him in that class. I uh, also met this kid named Nick who I see around at campus at the bars a lot. Some other girls in there that I recognize. Uh, but, man, I just like the people in that class. It's basically the four kids I hug out with in, like, the corner of the room. But um, we had to give speeches in this class. And this is honestly what made made me – I'm, like, famous from that class, at least for the people for that class, is because we had to give a speech on something about ourselves. I think it was about, like, something about our lives or something. And I was just not prepared. I was really not prepared. It was the first day that they were calling – she was calling out people – and I'm like, I just, I can't be called. Like, Lord, just don't call me, all right? I'm not prepared, all right? I had, like, a couple of things I was brainstorming on, like, a note, little note card. And, of course, she calls me. And I felt sick to my stomach getting up there. And just, this is when I finally realized that I truly do have stage presence at times. Because I gave this amazing speech. I was talking about the books I was reading. Like, um, what is it? The... Um, the compounding effect and the seven habits. And I was talking about like stories of when I got hit in the head as a kid, got hit in the head with a golf club as a kid and just all these different things. And I was like walking around like the, in front of the room. I was being super loud at times and I was making everyone laugh. And I ended it with a bang and I got standing applause. And the professor said, this is the best speech I've heard. And I was just like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe I just did that. Such a, such a sigh of relief. It was incredible. And it was funny because the first speech we gave, so first off, this speech was supposed to be three, five minutes. I think it was supposed to be three to five minutes. Our first speech was only supposed to be a minute, and I thought I had it nailed down, and I absolutely bombed it. It went terrible. So following up with that was incredible. Um, and then I ended it. We had to do, a, we had to give like an eight-minute, ten-minute speech, eight to ten-minute speech on like uh, something you would fix in the world. And I did mine on saving the rhinos, and I made mine funny, and I spoke with confidence. I didn't say all right too much. I said the word all right too much, which I really do still need to work on. Uh, it's it's just, there it was such a good time in that class. And I was, I, was, I was actually sad when it was over. Not as sad as my number one, but definitely, definitely, um, definitely somewhat sad. But uh, I'm glad I get to see at least one of my buddies from that class still, but it it was that class will always hold a special place in my heart, man. Fall of 2022. Something about these fall classes, man. Fall classes just seem to land at the top. Of my top 10 classes, I've had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven in the fall. How about that? How about that? And that leads me to my number one class. It'll never, be, I, I just do not see this ever being topped. It just this it, this can never be topped. The IBE practicum, the integrated business experience. Of course, my ever-growing co-company, me and eighteen other kids ran the company. Got a real loan. Had to go out and really sell. Start a website. I ran the social medias. I went on the news. I went on the radio. I was doing marketing, man. Um, just took this course fall 2023 as a junior. I figure I should mention that as I mentioned for all the others. But people I met in here, man, just incredible. 
I mean, just incredible people that live by me, people I hope to just see on campus, people I see at the gym, just people I see all around. I just met some amazing people in this class and gained so much real world experience. It was it was incredible. And I was there. We, we presented our the bank the other day. We presented our loan to our charity. Of course, all the hoodies we sold went to charity. And it, it, I was I was sad. You know, I got dropped off and went out to lunch with two of my friends from that class. And I just I came back home and I was just kind of sad. I just kind of sat down. and was like, damn, that's it. It's all over, but I, I remember this quote. I remember this quote. Obviously, I, I get a lot of biblical quotes, but I can't remember where I heard this quote from. I've probably seen it on the internet. I can't remember where it was from, but it said, don't be sad, it's over. Be happy it happened. And you know what? That applies to a lot of things. You know, I think that had to do with relationships, which, I mean, in a way, this was a relationship for me. This was just a relationship of, it was, it was basically my life for a whole semester of me running this business, seeing these people twice a week, sometimes three to four times a week outside of class when I was helping out. I mean, I was a marketing guy and I'm out here tabling, you know, we all at the table. I mean, I'm out here helping with management. I'm helping go places to package. I mean, I was super involved and I think that's what kind of helped it is, you know, seeing people out of class, you know, talking with them, but man, IBE, the integrated business experience, Evergrowing Co. will always hold a special place in my heart. I'll probably remember this the rest of my life, man. That's how deep this was. That's how deep this was. I don't, I don't know if it was as deep for other people, but I think just because of how much effort I put in, how much I actually cared about what happened is um, just why I landed, where it did. I have in my notes, in my notes of list, I have the G-O-A-T, the greatest of all time, the GOAT class for me. Um, but we'll see what comes in the future. But yeah, those are all my classes, right? Pretty fun. Um, we'll see what comes in the future. I actually do have my classes I have to take next semester. Um, I have to take managerial accounting. Oh my gosh, another accounting class. I completely forgot about that. Mondays and Wednesdays from 9.30 at 10.45. So one, this one, uh, one of my friends I know, I think he, he's taking this online, which I was like, buddy, why are you taking it online? You could take it in person with me, but it is what it is. I'm also taking Principles of International Business, which is online except for three Fridays we have freaking exams, which I just find ridiculous. We have three exams that we go in person from 2 to 3.15. I think there's three girls and like two guys I know that we're all gonna that we're all in the same time slots. We'll all just sit next to each other and probably study too, but I'm gonna learn about international business. This one chick I know said that's her major or maybe her minor or whatever. And I'll see, I kind of, kind of interested to learn about international business. Cause what if I start my own business? I got to go global. I can't just stay in the United States. I got to go all around the world. I got to go to Japan and Russia and, uh, Germany and freaking Brazil. I don't know what I'm saying, but that class will be interesting. I also have professional selling Mondays and Wednesdays from two to three fifteen. I have, I think there's one chick I know from my class and then one chick I know from Market Club, maybe even another guy who I told from my company to sign up for that time slot. But I'm super interested to uh, learn about professional selling because my dad, he's a salesman. Oh my gosh, my grandpa, he owns a real estate firm or whatever. And, you know, that's all selling. I met a lot of people who just try and sell themselves. We all got to sell ourselves. And I'm interested to see it. I've heard it's a lot of public speaking. So this will be even more experience for me to better myself. I also have consumer behavior. Um, Thursdays, I'm online, and Tuesdays are from 2 to 3.15. I don't know if Thursdays are asynchronous, but the one girl I told to take this with me in person switched to the better professor, so I have a bad professor. I, I don't think she's bad, but just a mediocre professor, so I'm going to have to ride that one alone, but I ride all my classes alone, so I'll try and make some friends in that class. And then I have business ethics and principles of microeconomics online because I couldn't find none in the class. These are required classes for my major and for the College of Business, and I couldn't find them in person. So that was just super weird. I'm like, are they just not teaching these in person anymore? Because I personally like in-person classes more. I mean, if you notice, my top uh, 10, 11, 12, 
13, 14, my top 14 classes are all in uh, in person. Only one uh, online class cracked my top 15. Online classes are just not fun. I like being in person more. But yeah, lots to look forward to in the future and a lot to reminisce on in the past. But hey, don't be sad it happened. No, wait, don't be sad it's over. Be happy it happened. How about that? You get a little, you get a little wisdom from Zachary. How about that? Um, as I look at the time, we're an hour 41. So if, no, no YouTube listeners for this one. Sadly, you can't listen on YouTube if it's over two hours. I can't upload that long. I mean, maybe I could. Maybe I could upload that long, but... um. I don't know. I like, I have, um, what is it? RSS podcasting and they automatically do it for me if it's under two hours, but oddly I've been talking for almost two hours. This is absolutely incredible. But, um, we still got to talk about UFC Vegas 83. We still got to talk about Song Dong versus Chris Gutierrez, the fight night coming up this Saturday. Um, I believe the fight card is all in check as of right now. I'll have to double check one of some of these fights, but um, we're going to talk about that in just a second. I need to rest my voice again. I need to rest my voice again. I could keep going, but I do want some water, so I'll be right back in a second to round out this episode with our predictions for UFC Vegas 83. Alrighty. Let's not, let's not waste any more time. I said all right again. Now that I noticed it, I actually just caught it after I just mentioned that I say all right too much in my past speech, but we have a number of fights to go through. I believe we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, potentially, if everything stays together. But um, yeah, let's get the card kicked off at Woman's Strawweight. We got a matchup between Ryan Amanda and Talita Problem Child Alan Carr. This one should be fun. Ryan 14 and 6, Talita 4-0 oh, and 1, undefeated, 5 foot 2 to 5 foot 1 in favor of Ryan, and 62-inch reach to 58-inch reach for and reach advantage for Ryan Amanda. Both women fight orthodox. Uh, Ryan Amanda fought on a season six of Dana White's Contender Series, lost the unanimous decision to Denise Gomez. That win is aged pretty good. Denise Gomez has some cool knockouts of Bruno Brazil and Jasmine J- Jaraguay. Uh, just had a ranked opportunity against Angela Hill, so she's pretty good. Um, she's 28 years old from Para Brazil, but on a three-fight win streak since that August 23rd, 2022 loss on the Contender Series. Um, of her 14 career victories, two by knockout, eight by sub. She seems to be pretty, pretty good, but she takes on Talita Alencar, who is a BJJ master. Talita's 33 years old from Brazil, um, but now fights out of Florida. Um, she has three submission victories of her four wins. She had a draw, I think the first ever draw on Dana White's Contender Series against Stephanie Luciano this past September. Talita started strong, did not end well. So we'll see what will happen with Talita. I don't necessarily know what's going to uh, occur with her, but judging from their past fight, I mean, uh, or from her Dana White's Contender Series fight, I mean, two good rounds in rounds one and two. Got 10 aided in round number three, so it'll be interesting to see. Ryan Amanda does have more experience, so that could play a factor. So I think I'm going, eh, yeah, I'll go with Ryan, uh, or should I go with Talita? I might go with Talita Allen Carr just because of her getting the contract. Dana White putting a little faith in her, so we'll ride with Talita Allen Carr, but I mean, we'll see what happens. It is the early prelims, the main card isn't even set. I think it's a six fight main, or I think it's a five fight main card. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, because I was gonna say what what fights are official and which fights aren't. 
Let me actually uh, let me actually double check this because I think it's the first. The top five fights are all the main card. Um, no, Sonic Tiny out. So that's a six fight main card. How about that? All right, good to know. Moving along, we have a flyweight matchup between Tatsuro Taira and Carlos Hernandez. It's just a shame that Tatsuro Taira is not ranked yet. This kid is so good. Tatsuro, perfect 14-0. Carlos, 9-2. Uh, 5'8", 5'7", in favor of Carlos. But a 70-inch reach to 67, 3 inches in favor of Tatsuro Taira. Both fighters fight orthodox. Tatsuro Taira. I love this guy. Favorite. One of my favorite flyweights. The 23-year-old is from Okinawa, Japan. Of his 14 career victories, 3 by knockout, 7 by submission. Tatsuro debuted in the UFC in 2022, picking up a unanimous decision domination of Carlos Candelario. Um, then in October 2022, had a round 2 performance tonight armbar of CJ Vergara. February of this year, 2023, um, submitted Jesus Aguilera with a triangle armbar in round number 1 and last fought in July and beat uh, Edgar Chavez by unanimous decision. But that was a tough one for him. He had to fight. It was a dog fight. Uh, 29-27 was the final scorecards because um, Tatsuro got dropped in round one but was able to get some ground control time in round two. 10-8 him. I mean, 57 total strikes to five. Four minutes and 10 seconds control time. Same thing in round number three. Tatsuro uses grappling for three more minutes of control time for almost 10 minutes of control time. So he's uh, clearly good. He's clearly, um, clearly, uh, what was I going to say? Clearly ready for the next step up. But um, they keep feeding him young young fighters like Carlos Hernandez. Um, or not, not young fighters, but just not high-level fighters. Carlos Hernandez, 30 years old, from Illinois, of his nine victories, four by submission. Debuted in the UFC in 2022 after winning on uh, Season 5 of Daniel's Contender Series. Picked up a split-decision win over Victor Altermiano, but in January of this year, uh, lost to Alan Nascimento by submission. Did pick up a win over Dennis Bondar in June of, 20, uh, June of this year. But uh, that, was a, that was an interesting one. What was it, 30? Oh, it was a technical decision after a clash of heads. In the final round. So no idea what's really... I, think, I don't know if the fight was just stopped or whatever. But look, Carlos, I don't care about you. I'm a Tetsuro Taira fan. And honestly, you know, if I'm going to lead Alan Carr, I'll say she wins by submission. I'll throw that in there. But I'm going to go Tetsuro Taira by submission. I think he outgrapples Carlos and gets it done. But I'm a Tetsuro Taira fan. They keep throwing him on the prelims. Give him a rank guy and put him on a main card. Give, put some respect on Tetsuro Taira's name. Plus, I just love his name. Oh, here we go. Woman's bantamweight bout between Luiana Santos and Stephanie Egger. Luiana six and one. Stephanie eight and four. Both women are fifty. Oh, both women have a five six. Both women are fifty. Both women have a five six height. Uh, are five foot six tall. Yeah, Zachary, you work on your grammar. Um, and a one inch reach advantage for Stephanie Egger. Sixty eight to sixty seven. Both women fight orthodox. Oh my goodness. Let's start with Stephanie Egger. Stephanie. The 35-year-old is from Switzerland. Of her eight career victories, three by knockout, four by sub. Debut in the UFC in 2020, losing to Tracy Cortez. That would pick up two finishes in a row. One big one over Jessica Rose Clark before losing to uh, Myra Bueno Silva in August of 2022 by armbar. But that wins age pretty good. She then would beat Aileen Perez in September 2022 by rear naked chokehold. And in her lone fight of the year so far, she lost in April of this year, as I just mentioned, by knee bar to Irina Alexeva. Didn't Irina lose? Yes, she lost to Melissa Dixon. Um, Stephanie Hager getting up there in age, but she's from Switzerland. How about that? 
Luiana Santos, of course, 6-1. and one. Won her debut over Juliana Miller by round one TKO in August. The 23-year-old is from Sao Paulo, Brazil. One KO and three submissions of her six career victories. Currently riding a three-fight win streak. Yeah, I like what I'm seeing. She was born in 2000, close to my age. Give me Luiana Santos. I, I don't know. I don't know. Any of these women fights could be toss-ups. Anything could happen. But uh, I don't know. Something about Stephanie Edgar just is not not making me feel juicy. She's getting submitted, and look, Luian Santos has three submissions. I'm I'm pretty confident in Luian Santos' ability to get it done. Um, but yeah, so we'll ride with Luian Santos by submission, three straight submissions to start the night. And now we actually have to turn back the pages, boys, to last weekend's notes as we finally get the matchup between Steve Garcia and Melquizel Costa. How about that? A lightweight matchup. These two were supposed to fight last weekend, but apparently, apparently, from what I've garnered, is that Steve, was it Steve Garcia had to pull out or something due to like an illness? So they just rebooked it for the following weekend. Thank freaking goodness we're able to get this fight. But um, let's go, let's let's go over it again for the second straight time. Or I guess not the second straight, but like Last last weekend we went over it, last week. So you can just go back and see what I said last time and see if it's similar to what I say this time. Steve, Mean Machine Garcia takes on Melquizel Melcothy Costa. Steve is 14 and 5, Melquizel 20 and 6. 6 foot to 5'10", leaving a 2-inch height advantage for Steve Garcia and a 4-inch reach advantage for him, 75 to 71. Both fighters fight southpaw. Steve Garcia Jr. is what I think it's listed as. On um, Tapeology, Tapeology is another site I use to get my information, is currently riding a two-fight win streak. Both finishes, wins over Shailene Nerdambeek and Chase Hooper. The Shailene one happened in April of this year. The 31-year-old, not 21-year-old, but 31-year-old is from Albuquerque, New Mexico, and actually trains at Jackson Wink MMA, Diego Sanchez, Carlos Condit, and John Jones's gym. He has 11 KO victories of his 14 career victories. And so far, I mean, decent UFC career, 3-2 and two, um, since 2020. You know, he's, he's all right. He's all right. But big wins, big wins of this year. But he is kind of unpredictable of his, uh, of his including, actually, no, in his five UFC fights, he has been dropped five times, but he's dropped people four times. So he's, he's a typical boxer type of guy. Melquizel Costa, the 27-year-old from Sao Paulo, Brazil, has seven KOs and six submissions of his 20 career victories. It actually has vitiligo, a skin condition where your pigmentation is off. So he doesn't have the same pigmentation. Sometimes it's lighter at times with some dead skin cells or something, and other times it's darker. Kind of gives him this unique appearance. He stepped down on short notice earlier this year at UFC 283 in January, losing in round number two to Tiago Moises, but showed some prowess. They brought him back in July, and he would dominate Austin Lingo through three rounds. But he's back to take on Steve Garcia. And last weekend, I said Melquizal Costa, and you bet your butt I'm riding with Melquizal again. I can't go against Melquizal Costa. I can't. He's got Vitiligo. He's got the finishes. And I think because Steve Garcia is a knockout or get knocked out type of guy, Melquizal drops him, and unlike his other opponents, submits him. So we'll go with Melquizal Costa to win this one at lightweight. Moving into our second and final flyweight matchup of the night, we have... Oh my gosh, Hyunsung Peace of Mind Park and Shannon the Turkish Delight Ross. Gentlemen, I love the nicknames. Hyunsung Park is 8-0, Shannon Ross 13-8, 1-inch height advantage for Hyunsung Park, 5-7-5-6, I love that name. Both fighters have a 66-inch reach advantage, orthodox for Park, 
Switch stance for Shannon Ross. Um, who should we talk about first? Let's talk about Hyung Sung Park because I love his freaking name. Um, won both of his fights on the road to the UFC in round one. Round one finish of Jeremiah Saragar in 2022. And a finish of Top Noi Kwirab with a rear naked chokehold also in 2022. He fought once earlier this year in the road to the UFC final on February 4th. He would uh, submit Seung Guk Choi. I love these names, man. Uh, with a rear naked chokehold, but he would actually be dropped early on, so he had to fight back. Um, the 28-year-old is from South Korea, and of his eight career victories, three by knockout four by uh submission so this guy likes to likes to finish fights and i freaking i love his name man shannon ross the 34 year old is from australia of his 13 career victories seven by knockout one by sub he won on season six of dana white's or no he fought on dana white's contender series in season six it was dropped three times in his round two tko loss he would debut against cledson rodriguez in february of this year getting finished in 59 seconds and then would fight Jesus Aguilera in July and get knocked out in 17 seconds. Wow. Just wow. This guy clearly has a glass chin. Gimme Hung Sung Park all day. We'll say by knockout. Hung Sung Park by knockout. But at the same time, it feels like you got Young Hung Sung Park, 8-0, taking on Shannon Ross, who is meant to lose this fight. Maybe Shannon could get it done, but all the signs point to Hung Sung Park. Plus, he has such a fun name. I can't pick against Hung Sung Park. That'd just be criminal. Alrighty, and those are our prelims, so five prelim fights. We get into our six-fight main card, starting us off at welterweight. We have Song the Assassin, Keenan, and Kevin Ayer, Josette. By the way, by the way, I have no pre-predictions in my note in my notes or my mind. So we're just this is gonna be live predictions. Okay, I already have my mind on a couple of other fighters, but as for this one, we're gonna find out live who I'm riding with. So Song Kinan, 20 and 7, Kevin 9 and 2. Six foot two to six foot in favor of Kevin, and a 75 inch reach to 71 inch reach in favor of Kevin as well. Both fighters are orthodox stance and naturally fight at welterweight. Actually, wait, did I already predict this fight? No, I haven't. Okay, just wanted to double check. Uh, Kinan Song, we'll start with you, my friend. The 33-year-old is from Hebei, China. Nine KOs and nine subs of his 20 career victories, and that's absolutely insane. That's absolutely insane. What is that, a 90% finish rate? I'd love to see it. Debuted in the UFC in 2017, uh, two straight knockouts in his debut for losing his first UFC fight in a fight of the night to Alex Morono. Pick up two more wins before losing to Max Griffin and Ian Gary. Oh, yes, he lost to Ian Gary earlier this year, but he did knock him down. Song Kinong would also beat Rolando Bedoya in August of this year. He would drop him, even though he was outstruck. All right, Song Kinong, I like what I'm seeing from you. As for Kevin Josette, the um, 30-year-old was born in France, but now trains and lives in New Zealand. He's from the uh, city kickboxing team with Adesanya, Volk, that whole gang. Four KOs and one submission of his nine career victories, and that one submission was in his UFC debut against Kiefer Crosby, who trains with Conor McGregor, by the way, in Ireland. That was in September. Kevin's back, but you know what, Kevin? I, I can tell you're good, but... I like what I see from Song Ki Nan. I'm riding. I'm riding with. I'm riding with the. I'm riding with my Asian boys tonight. Shout out my Asian boys. Shout out my Asian queens. We got Kinan. Song the assassin is gonna knock out Kevin Joset. I'm riding with it. I love it. Um, Kevin is on a four fight win streak, but that won't save him from the 90 percent finish rate of the assassin. Song Kinan. I remember I predicted you to win that Max Griffin fight and you failed me, but I didn't predict you to beat Rolando Bedoya. 
and you managed to get that fight in. So I'm not betting against Sankinan this time. I'll be rooting for my boy. And this was one of the few fights where I actually did drop a prediction on the Verdict MMA app. Follow me, ZR2002 on there, for all my pre-fight predictions per round, basically. And we can basically look live at who we think wins each round. Plus, I want followers on that. I have like four followers, but I'm following like 100 people. That's just not good odds. We get John Young, the Iron Turtle Park, and Andre Sergpiano Munez. Andre Munez. I don't know what the frick his nickname is. Kind of goofy. Um, Andre is no longer ranked at all, I don't think. Yeah, he's kind of had a sturdy fall off. But let's look at the stats. John Young Park, 17-5. and five. Andre, 23-6. and six. 5'10 to six foot one in favor of Andre Munez. And 78 and 73 also in favor of Andre Munez. Southpaw for Munez, 73-inch, uh, or no, orthodox for Park. I already went over that. Um, Andre Munez used to be ranked at middleweight, and at one point um, was on was 5-0 and in the UFC with three arm bars. All right, big wins over Uriah Hall, Eric Anders, Jacare Souza. He'd won on Dana West Contender Series twice, but in earlier this year, in February, shockingly lost to Brendan All-In Allen. We all know now that Brendan Allen is legit, but um, he would also... Lose to Paul Craig in July of 2023. Get finished in round number two, shockingly. And before that, I think Andre Munoz had been on like an 11, 12, 13 fight win streak or something. It was insane. He was on a really big win streak, just professional-wise. But um, no longer anymore, man. Um, Andre, 33 years old, is from Brazil. Out of his 23 career victories, four by knockout, a crazy 15 by submission. This guy loves to submit people, but was submitted by Brendan Allen. If that doesn't tell you anything about him... Andre, you were once looking towards the top 10. Now you're looking down. You're not even in the rankings anymore. You're not even in the rankings anymore. But, um, hey, it is what it is. He takes on Jung Young Park, as I mentioned, and Jung Young Park's from Seoul, South Korea. The 32-year-old of his 17 career victories has five knockouts and six submissions. Currently riding a four-fight win streak, including three straight rear naked chokeholds. Um, he submitted Joseph Holmes in round two. In 2022, and finished Nastulian in February of this year in round number one, and finished Albert Durov. Uh, even after dropping him in July of this year, he's been on fire. Um, only two losses in the UFC are to Anthony Hernandez in his UFC debut in 2019. Got submitted, but actually Anthony is ranked, and he lost a fight of the night to Gregory Rodriguez in 2021. Jung Young Park, I absolutely love you, man. You know I got to ride with you. I think Andre Munez is on his way out of the UFC, and the Iron Turtle is on his way up. Plus, we're rocking with my Asian boys tonight. Jung Young Park, round three submission. I love picking. I love picking finishes. There's no fun in picking decisions, is there? We like picking finishes. That's what makes it fun. So we'll be riding with Jung Young Park in this one. Sorry, Andre. You let me down in the Brendan Allen and the Paul Craig fight. I thought he would win both of those. I can't predict you again. Even if you win, I got to ride with the Iron Turtle. Moving on into our next matchup, we have a bantamweight bout between two flyweights. This fight's going down on short notice as number 11 Sumadarji takes a number 10 ranked Tim Elliott. Sumadarji, I can't remember who he's supposed to fight. I'm honestly, I'm honestly kind of mind-blanking who, who Sumadarji was supposed to fight. Let me... Let me try and figure this out. He was supposed to fight Alan Nascimento. Is Alan even ranked? Is he supposed to? He's supposed to fight an unranked guy named Alan Nascimento. Instead, Sumadarji will get a chance to move up to the top 10 with a win here. How about that? Tim Elliott takes on the Tabitian Eagle, Sumadarji. 
Holy F word, I freaking love your name, Sumadarji. The Tabishan Eagle, what a nickname. Tim Elliott is 2013 and 1. Sumadarji 16 and 5. 5 foot 8 to 5 foot 7 in favor of Sumadarji. And a 6 inch reach, 72 to 66 in favor of Sumadarji. Both fighters fight Southpaw. Hmm, how about it? Suma frickin' Darji, the number 11 ranked men's flyweight, is coming off a loss to Matt Schnell in a fight of the night back in July of 2022. So it's been a hot minute since Suma Darji last fought, but the 27-year-old from Sichuan, China, has 13 knockouts and one sub of his 16 career victories. How about that? How about that? 13 of his 16 victories by knockout. He's only had one in the UFC, though. A 44-second knockout performance of the night over Malcolm Gordon. Other than that, I mean, lost to Louis Smoka in 2018 in his debut by armbar. He seems to be pretty hit or miss. It was a comeback for Matt Schnell last time. Tumadarji does have knockout power. We'll see if that translates because Tim Elliott does not get knocked out. Tim Elliott, the 36-year-old, stepping in on just about a week's notice. He's from Missouri. Three KOs and six subs of his 20 career victories. This guy's a decision machine. My goodness. I mean, but we'll, we'll recap him again. We just talked about him in October, but always got to give credit to Tim Elliott, who's been in the UFC since 2012. Losses to John Dodson, Jose Benavides, fought Demetrius Johnson for the belt, beat Luis Smoka, lost to Ben Wynn, beat Mark De La Rosa, losses to Devison Figueredo, Askar Askarov, and Rebel. Wins over Ryan Benoit, Jordan Espinosa. Um, last big win, that last win came in June of this year when he beat Victor Altamirino. But of course, he lost to the undefeated Mohamed Mokayev in October of this year. Tim Elliott, I don't know if he's ever been knocked out, only submitted. Yeah, I don't know if Tim Elliott's ever been knocked out. That's an interesting statistic to actually see. Um, so I think it's obvious, guys. We got to pick Sumadarji by round one knockout. Easy pick. The, the Tabitian Eagle. I'm sorry, Tim Elliott. Yeah, 13 losses. I'm not riding with you. I'm riding with the Tabitian Eagle. Give me Sumadarji round one knockout. You know I'm like that. You guys know I'm like that. Alrighty, let's move along. Lightweight matchup. Nazrat Hakpasarat versus Jamie Mularki. Nazrat 15 and 5. Jamie Mularki 17 and 6. Six foot to five ten in favor of Jamie. A 74 inch reach to 72 inch reach in favor of Jamie Malarkey. Malarkey fights at 70. Oh, Malarkey has an orthodox stance. Nazrat has a southpaw stance. Uh, we'll talk about Nazrat first. How about that? Nazrat was born in Afghanistan, but now actually lives and trains in Germany. Of his 15 career victories, nine by knockout. He's riding a two-fight win streak, last one in September. Beat Landon Kionis, had 171 significant strikes. That's pretty impressive. Been in the UFC since 2017. Big wins over Mark Kise, knocked out Joaquim Silva, has been knocked out by Drew Dober, beaten Hafa Garcia, lost to Dan Hooker, lost Bobby Green. But you know what? Beating John McDessey, beating Landon Kionis, a little two-fight win streak. Good for you, Nazrat. Could be looking at a ranked opponent. If he wins, we'll see. Jamie Malarkey, the 29-year-old, is from Australia. And of his 17 victories, 10 by knockout, 3 by sub. Coming off a win over John McDessey in September as well. I think they both fought on the same card, actually, UFC 293. Jamie has been in the UFC since 2019. Fight of the night lost to Brad Riddell in his debut, then lost to Ferziam. Big knockouts of Kamal Worthy and Devontae Smith, then got knocked out by Jalen Turner, but that, that has aged pretty well. Beaten Michael Johnson by split decision in a fight of the night. Beaten Francisco Prado, oh, good up-and-comer. And lost to Mohamed Naimov in June of this year, but Mohamed Naimov is a different breed. Very torn in this fight, guys. I'm very torn. Nazrat said he wanted to knock out soft Jamie Malarkey, so there's a little beef in this one. I am torn, though. 
I am tormenting both these fighters. I know how good Nazrak can be. Same time, he can be hit or miss. Mm, kind of tough to tell. Jamie Malarkey hasn't given me that much. Clearly doesn't have a beautiful chin. Um, we'll ride with Nazrat. We'll ride with Nazrat. He's got a dog in him. You know, he stepped in to fight Dan Hooker on short notice. Gave it his all in that fight. But um, I'll say on the ground, I favor Jamie Malarkey. But on the feet, I'll ride with Nazrat. Hak Pasarat. I'll go by Nam's decision, actually. I like how I said I don't do decisions. But a fight like this, I gotta go with a decision. Final two fights of the night. I'm really hoping these make it through the weigh-ins and through the actual process of the card itself. Because these two fights are going to be bangers. In the co-main event, light heavyweight matchup between Anthony Lionheart-Smith and Khalil Roundtree Jr. Just for reference, Anthony Smith ranked number 8, Khalil ranked number 11, a top 15, basically a top 10 matchup at light heavyweight. Anthony Smith is an outstanding 37-18. and 18. Khalil Roundtree Jr., 13-5 and 5 with one no contest. 6-4 to 6-1 in favor of Anthony Smith. Both fighters have a 76-inch reach advantage. Southpaw for Roundtree. Orthodox for Anthony Lionheart Smith. We'll talk about Anthony first. Anthony taking this fight on short notice. Clear Roundtree Jr. is supposed to fight undefeated Azmat Mirzakhanov, but Azmat had to pull out instead. This fight was, um, no, Clear was supposed to fight Azmat last weekend at UFC Austin, and when he pulled out, Anthony Smith said, hey, I'll step in, give me an extra week. They did. Now this fight's going down here. Uh, Anthony Smith, I mean, yeah, honestly, 35-year-old, he's from Nebraska, 18 KOs and 15 subs. 33 of his 37 wins are by knockout. Or no, by finish, I should say. So it was that 33 divided by 37. He's got an 89% finish rate. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Anthony Smith, been in the UFC since the strike force days of 2011. I mean, he's fought Cesar Ferreira. He's beaten Hector Lombard. Fought Tiago Santos. Beaten Rashad Evans. Risho Rua. Volkan Ozmir. Fought John Jones for the belt. Could have won it off a of DQ, but chose to stay in it. Beat Gustafson, lost to Sashera, lost to Rockich. He's beaten Devin Clark, Jimmy Crute, Ryan Spann. Um, actually, earlier this year, lost to Johnny Walker by unanimous decision. Then bounced back in August with a split decision win of Ryan Superman Spann. The chin isn't what it used to be for Anthony Smith, but um, you know what? He's still a dog, man. He's still a dog. His opponent, though, Khalil Roundtree Jr., this man's scary. Spencer Gary, the 33-year-old, is from Las Vegas and of his 13 victories, 8 by knockout. Currently riding a 4-fight win streak with 3 KOs. Last fought in August. Um, his only fight of the year so far, but he knocked out Chris Dawkins with a performance of the night. 2-minute and 40-second knockout. Last performance bonus came in March of 2022 when he had a round 2 knockout of Carl Roberson. And he won a split decision over Dustin Jacoby, who's currently ranked in the top 15 as well. Cleo's had a wild, a wild UFC career. I mean, it's actually crazy. He suffered all of his losses in the UFC. Lost to Andrew Sanchez in 2016 for the Ultimate Fighter, then got submitted by Tyson Pedro in his second UFC appearance. Would then pick up two round one finishes of Daniel Jolly and, yes, Paul Craig for having an overturned no contest against Michael Olkajasek. He would then uh, beat Gokan Sakai with a minute and a half performance tonight knockout. He would then get knocked out in under two minutes by Johnny Walker, beat Eric Anders by unanimous decision, dropping him four times. He would then get finished by Ayan Kudalaba in round number one. Lose to Marcin Pachillo in 2022 by name's decision. But then something changed. Destroyed Modestus Bukakis, brutalizing his leg. Destroyed Carl Roberson. Put on a striking outclass against Dustin Jacoby. And recently beat Chris Dawkins. So Khalil Roundtree Jr. has finally found his rhythm. He's finally found his way. 
Give me a round three TKO win from Khalil Roundtree Jr. He'll pick apart Anthony. He'll get it done. And I swear if Anthony Smith beats another up-and-comer, I swear. I don't like Anthony Smith. I don't know why. I don't know why I don't like Anthony Smith, but I just don't care for the guy for some reason. I can't place it. I can't place why I don't like him, but it is what it is with this win. Khalil Roundtree Jr. will bump into the top ten. And wow, we're finally on our final event. Two hours long. Wow, it's a long podcast. I had a lot to talk about. I got a lot to say in my big old head of mine. Zach's big head, man. All right, let's round out this podcast with our Bantamweight main event five rounds between Song Kung Fu Kid Yedong and Chris El Guapo Gutierrez. I absolutely love it. Song is 27 and 1, one no contest. Chris, 25 and 2. Ooh, very even. Um, 5 foot 9 to 5 foot 8 in favor of Chris. Both fighters have a 67 inch reach advantage, and both fighters are orthodox in their fighter stance. Song Yedong currently ranked Number seven at men's bantamweight. Coming off of a huge win over Ricky Simone earlier this year in 2023. 26-year-old was born in China but now lives in Sacramento of his 20 career victories. Nine by knockout, three by submission. Song Yedong is 4-1 since 2021. Um, has had some big wins. But, I mean, this dude's been in the UFC since 2017. And you may be like, wait a second. He was in the UFC in 2017. He's 26 now. You mean to tell me he was in this in the UFC when he was 20 years old? Yeah, gosh dang right. And he was finishing boys too. All right. Started out his UFC career five five of five wins, one draw. I was trying to figure out how to say it. So six fights unbeaten. Um, he suffered his first UFC loss to Kyler Phillips in 2021. We'll follow that up with a three-fight win streak, including knockouts of Julio Arce and Marlon Marais. And then would lose a fight of fight night to uh, Corey Sanhagen due to a cut. That was in September of 2022, but came back earlier this year. Outclassed Ricky Simone. Performance that night, round five knockout of him. I absolutely loved it. He was supposed to fight Piotr Jan in Shanghai in the main event. Unfortunately, he pulled out. Chris stepped in. It was moved to Vegas. And now you get a matchup between Chris and Yedong. Chris is currently ranked number 15th in the bantamweight division. 32-year-old is from Colorado, and of his 20 career victories, 9 by knockout, 1 by sub. So we got two knockout R's here. Chris debuted in the UFC in 2018, losing to Rione Barcelos, but will follow that up with an impressive 8-fight unbeaten streak, including 7 wins. Um, Chris has some big wins for him, knocking out Frankie Edgar, retiring Frankie Edgar. Um, he would lose to Pedro Munoz in April of this year, um, just got outclassed in that one. But we bounced back with a win over Alatenge in October this year, beaten by unanimous decision. Chris stepping on short notice, I absolutely respect it. He said he's scared to fight Sang Dong. He said he's scared to fight Song Dong, and you should be. And guess what? Song Dong is knocking out Chris Gutierrez in round number four. You're hearing it from me first. I'm a Song Dong lover. All right. I picked Ricky Simone last time. And I was sad because I was rooting for Song during the fight. I called the Charles Oliveira effect. Is if I pick against him, I'll still root for him during the fight. So we got a ride with Song Dong. I just love the kid. Uh, round four knockout. I mean, I just I like I like doing it. I think Chris can last, put up with the damage through three rounds, but I think he gets uh, knocked out in the fourth. We'll see what happens though. These two love to strike. I doubt it goes to the ground, but you know I did see Song Dong land some takedowns on Corey Sanhagen. And I've seen Chris uh, Gutierrez land, uh, hey, he doesn't even land takedowns. He only last landed one in 2021 against Andre Ewell. So, interesting stuff there, but we're riding with Song Dong. And that's the card, folks. That's the card. I hope you're all informed, you know, about what's going on. So, let's recap everything. 
Chilita Alencar, I, I got beaten Rihanna Amanda by submission. We'll say in round number two. We'll say round number two. Tatsuro Taira submitting Carlos Hernandez in round number one. Luiana Santos submitting Stephanie Edgar in round number one. Melchizedek Alcosta beating Steve Garcia by submission in round number two. Hyung Sung Park knocking out Shannon Ross in round number one. Song Kinong knocking out Kevin Josette in round number one. Jung Young Park submitting Andre Munez in round number three. Suma Darji knocking out Tim Elliott in round number one. Nazrat Hakpasrat winning a unanimous decision over Jamie Malarkey. Cleo Roundtree Jr. knocking out Anthony Smith in round number three. And just because I love finishes, Song Ye Dong knocking out Chris Gutierrez in round number four. Should be a good one with a win here. I think Song Ye Dong could call it a top five fighter. Hopefully, if he can win. That's all I got, folks. That's all I got. I like to say that's all I got when I literally have gone over so much stuff. This was a long one. It was a fun one. I enjoyed this. I enjoyed this. I enjoyed going back through all my classes. I enjoyed talking about upcoming fights and stuff. I enjoyed talking about Madden, GTA trailer, all sorts of fun activities. So it was a good episode. I very much enjoyed this. Episode 47 of the podcast. I find that absolutely incredible. My last one here at Mankato for a while probably is I'll be heading back home to Lino Lakes, Minnesota. So if you ever want to say hi to me, just shoot me a text and we can hang out. If you ever want to be a guest on the podcast, let me know. I'll take on just about anyone. So yeah, everyone have an amazing weekend. I mean, December's off to a good start. I was kind of sad yesterday. My classes ended, but today my emotions are doing better. I'm feeling more happy about everything and I'm ready to take on the rest of the month. Hope you were surprised. I hope you were jabbed. I'll catch you all next time on the Surprise Jab Podcast, folks.